0: We're live. Trap Lil Ross, No Jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. How you doing, bud?
1: I'm good, man. I'm hyped to be here.
0: Yeah. I'm hyped to have you here, man.
1: It's been a long time coming, bro.
0: It has, because we did the interview over Zoom or whatever, like, what, mm. maybe two years ago?
1: Mm. I was in, like, my mom's spare room. Right. Like, in the lockdown.
0: Kind of like the early days of your YouTube grind.
1: Yeah, that was like, you know what I'm saying? That was like, I was just getting on. Right. You know what I mean? I really wanted to do the in-person interview, but that lockdown in the UK was harsh. Right. So I'm hyped to be here for the real deal.
0: And then you came out here and you did Fresh and Fit.
1: Yeah, I did Fresh and Fit. Got canceled.
0: You got canceled.
1: I got canceled for going on Fresh and Fit.
0: Because of anything in particular that you said or just because you associated
1: with them? So I booked my trip to appear on Fresh and Fit in August. Right. And uh, the trip didn't take place until December. And so I fly out to Miami. I get off the plane. I turn on my phone and the first thing I see on Instagram is the Joe Budden clip cancelling them. Right. When and you just
0: happened to be there at the exact moment. I remember this. Yeah.
1: I was the first guest after them being cancelled for saying they don't date black women. Right. I caught a lot of flack. And it was kind of hella hell of people like, yo, don't go on. Don't appear on the show. And I was like, I've flown all the way out here. I'm appearing on the show. Right. It's happening.
0: And also, okay, there's an assumption that you have to basically, like, agree with every part of every person's life in order to go on their show. And I think I've said no to some media appearances that I kind of wish, in retrospect, that I had said yes to. Like, when I saw Destiny going on Fresh and Fit, and I know that he kind of, like, fundamentally disagrees with them on a lot of shit, probably more than you or I even, because he's probably, like, way more progressive. And I respect that, that he was able to go into a a place where – he was able to find common ground and then he was also able to sort of pick out the things that he disagrees with them on. And perhaps, that, that's how you're going to influence an audience, you know, is not by just completely exiling yourself and saying, I'm never going to fuck with anybody because they maybe said something controversial. Like even if you thought that them saying that they don't want to date black women was the most abhorrent thing you had ever heard in your life. Why would you not still want to use that platform? to maybe have a conversation about how you feel about that if it's so important to you, or just you could have a conversation outside of that one controversial opinion, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, my whole thing was just like, I want my audience to see me on Fresh and Fit surrounded by the Thotties, mm. because it will be hilarious.
0: How do you like that vibe?
1: I mean, when I was actually in it, it was extremely uncomfortable.
0: Was it uncomfortable?
1: I mean, I'm just like a fish out of water. I'm not used to the Miami thoughts. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. I've watched my fair share of Fresh and Fit. Right. So like, You know what I'm saying? that That's not my... Uh, that's not. I don't know. That's just. It's just not my space. But I feel like that's where it became a good piece of content because you wouldn't expect it. And right. I even said to them at the time, it's like, yo, I don't disagree with everything you say. There's a lot I disagree with, but like, I'm just trying to be here in the, in the mix of what everyone's doing. This is media. I
0: guess like that's one thing that I can say different from a lot of people who've been on that show. Because even when I heard Destiny talk about it, his his response was like, kind of like, it's unbelievable how retarded these women in Miami are. You know. As an extremely intelligent person, he walks away with that. For me, I was not taken aback by the women at all because in the adult industry, I mean, this is not not to take anything away from the porn star girls, but I met a lot of dumb fucking chicks. Maybe I haven't engaged in a conversation of that length with a lot of them, but I personally am very familiar with what the average, and maybe not even average, maybe below average chick is capable of intellectually. And it's not like guys are that much better. Well, I or, mean, or or better at all, actually, even.
1: It's like I'm from a small town in England, right? So the types of things that the women in my area or like the women I dealt with coming up would say or believe is just a complete different planet to what the Fresh and Fit girls are on. I mean, I remember when I first started getting into the show watching Myron argue with these chicks, and they're like, you know, I want a guy that makes seven figures a year, standard. <laughs> and you're just like, you just can't believe what's coming out of their mouths. right? And like, for me, the thing I always thought, the, the, the appeal I felt for Fresh and Fit that I feel like people never appreciated is it's like i'm not into the whole kind of red pill nonsense right i felt like it was just like becoming the hip-hop jerry springer show mm. you know what i'm saying they were having fist fights myron was throwing girls out people were pulling straps out yeah it was like i would i looked at it as much more of an entertainment thing than like yo i'm gonna learn how to deal with women from watching this show right but like i think obviously they you know they're very hot on that male self-improvement vibe which is the sort of the Area of YouTube that is at the moment catching the most flack.
0: Maybe, right? but also the area that's maybe experiencing the most growth because I think that when you look at the rise of Fresh and Fit and Andrew Tate and Sneeko and even people like Liver King who are kind of apolitical, it's like there's clearly something that these fucking young dudes out there are looking for that's not really being presented to them because the mainstream media is trying to convince them that they need to watch homosexual romantic comedies and whatnot, you know? It's just like, there's a lot of dudes out there that aren't really seeing a lot that speaks to their desire to understand their own masculinity. So as a result, they're sort of forced into these red pill communities one way or another. And uh, I don't know, I, I can't blame dudes because when I think about myself Like, if I was 19 or 20 right now at this exact moment in time, I'm sure that Andrew Tate would seem a lot more interesting to me than, you know, and I'm not, I have nothing against him, but I never heard anything really that he was saying that I thought was all that revolutionary you know
1: well this is the thing that kind of bugs me out about this stuff is it's almost like Andrew Tate he became this like deity like they're holding him up as if he's like this God he's just some bald dude that's got a teller money and like you know what I'm saying a little harem of women
0: and he definitely figured life out let's make that clear I mean in terms of the money in terms mm. of getting apparently an absurd amount of pussy mm. in terms of just being able to build businesses and create a lifestyle that you know he, he very much enjoys and he's comfortable with that he has all these crazy cars and houses and mm. stuff I mean for sure I look at young dudes and I'm like, I understand why you are attracted to dudes who seem like they have all this shit figured out because you're trying to figure it out. But in terms of like, yeah, a lot of of the girl stuff, it's like, listen, like the fact that a lot of chicks basically never have to develop any kind of fucking intelligence to get pretty far in life just because they're hot. We all know this. This is an obvious truth. i don't really feel like it's that necessary for or that it's that revolutionary to like shed some light on it like of course i could say that a lot of the most beautiful women i've met in my entire life are the dumbest fucking people on earth because their their looks just allow them to not really have to develop that part of their personality on the other hand forever you'll meet a 40 year old fat guy who's got a fucking great personality right because how if you if you meet him He has to have made it to this point in life somehow. So he had to develop his fucking personality, you know?
1: Well, I would say the lived experience of like a 10 out of 10 gorgeous woman is completely different from the lived experience of a, you know, a balding fat 40-year-old man. Right. And it's like they're literally living in completely different worlds. And I suppose in a way, setting aside the misogyny or, I don't know, that's the the misogyny that people accuse these platforms of having. You know, some people, young dudes, like they literally – They're literally, like, trying to work out how to speak to women, like, how to navigate this world. And it's a completely different world. Like, I remember when I was first, I don't know, when I was first dating, like, coming out of high school or whatever, like... You know, Tinder was like a new thing. Mm. It's like the entire dynamics of dating has completely changed in the last ten years, and these people are teaching like the the new rules of the game. But
0: even that right there, I think I was twenty eight when I got on Tinder, and it was a fucking eye opening, total change of my whole life. Mm. But I'm glad that I had like ten years before Tinder came around because Tinder was the thing that made me feel like, oh, now my problem is not that there's that I don't know enough girls. Now it's clear. The problem is that there's way too many girls that I could potentially be talking to and dealing with because Tinder made everything
1: way too easy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny cause it's like rules emerge. Like there's always rules of dating. I mean, you've obviously like, you remember back in the day, the old, the book, the game by like Neil Strauss, right? Yep. Like he basically went out there in the field you know, another successful bald dude chasing chicks. You know, maybe a trend think, you know, like five two or some shit. Was, maybe there's a little. You know, what I'm saying there's something to that. But, but guys
0: I'm like not. that, those are the dudes who really like are craving this kind of information. There, there is a lot of focus on height and build mm-hmm. and like you know facial features and stuff because a lot of guys feel like they're kind of like exiled from the sexual marketplace based on a bunch of features that they have no control over. You know
1: yeah i mean i feel like a lot of this stuff like when you really drill down to it a lot of it's just like hacking relationships or right. hacking dating like i mean that that book the game and there was that other dude from that book was it called mystery It was like it yeah. basically his thing was just like wearing a funny hat will get you chicks
0: i went on the pirate bay and i downloaded an entire season of a fucking reality tv show that mystery did and it was one of the weirdest things i've ever witnessed in my life so much of it was so fake But yeah, I had a a definite flirtation with kind of reading all about the pickup artist stuff back in the day. And I found out about it at a time when I was coming out of a breakup where I really needed some kind of, you know, motivation or whatever like something to tell me that like okay you're you're okay you're gonna be able to meet another girl etc cetera, etc cetera. and and that was what that was for me at that time and i'm sure that andrew tate and freshman fit and stuff are giving a lot of young dudes that kind of ammunition there's just no like discussion in popular culture of like how a guy is supposed to live his life
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But there's a
0: ton of discussion about how bad you are. Me? Well, just really yes, because you're apparently heterosexual and you're white. You know, it's like it's very easy to find stuff about how bad you are as a white guy in this culture these days, and it's kind of it's kind of tough to find anything that's telling you about what you should be doing aside from being an ally.
1: Well, I guess sometimes it's just like at its most base level. People don't know how to function in this modern world. They need to be told. I mean, going back to Tinder, it's like, I remember I used to, when I first got on Tinder, I had a breakup. I was at university. It's like, let me go on Tinder. It was getting no action. And then someone just sat me down and told me, you need a picture with a cute dog. Mm. And that changed the game. It did. Changed the game. Wow. Picture with a cute dog. Wow. I was out here.
0: A lot of guys getting by on that.
1: But you know what I mean? Once everyone works it out, now everyone's got a picture with a cute dog, had to get a nice car too.
0: The working out though, that, that that's a big part because that to me is the one thing. I was just saying this to Liver King, it no matter what you have going, you could probably get a gym membership or you could start jogging or whatever and you could at least start improving that part of your life. But yeah, man, thank God I'm not fucking single. And even if I was single, thank God I'm not like at that early stage in my life where you haven't really like built much for yourself. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like every girl that you meet that you're trying to sort of convinced to have sex with you it's it's a, it's a hard sell at that point
1: it's tough man you know you gotta you gotta finesse you gotta uh use what you got to your advantage you're in a relationship though i am now yeah for how long uh coming up to a year nice kind of fresh but has
0: that changed anything for you is that why your videos have gotten so much longer uh, f- and further I, apart
1: you don't you know say no no <laughs> you know what though to be fair like i feel like uh having a girlfriend man i think some people they they have this thing of like this wrong idea, I think, when people are like, yo, you're gonna get a girlfriend and you're not gonna be able to focus on all the important things. It's like, nah man, having a girlfriend literally means that like I'm happier. Like in my spare time, I'm like fulfilled. Right. So I've got this amazing person that's like, you know, when I am chilling on my own, I'm not running around trying to get girls. I'm I've got somebody that I can rely on.
0: and that's one thing that maybe they do talk about it and I just don't see it because it's not the controversial shit that goes viral. But I wish that the Manosphere had more conversations about that of like what are you looking for in a relationship? What is the kind of girl that you want to get in a relationship with? How to sort of build this kind of life? You know, a lot of these guys acknowledge that they think that, you know, women are all fucked up, but they're not really talking to, they're talking to dudes about how to have a lot of sex with a lot of women sort of just rampantly, but they're not really talking about what kind of life you should be trying to build for yourself. And trust me, by the time you get to like 38, like myself, the idea of just being single and going out and get tons of random pussy, I mean, it's starts to be a little bit less appealing and i I know as a porn star it's kind of ridiculous for me to be saying this but
1: well i mean that's not quite the same but you know i've had periods in my life where i've been uh, in these streets as they would say Mm -hmm. and it's i've not found it that fulfilling yeah definitely not i'm so much more fulfilled when i've got an amazing person in my life that i can rely on you know it's, it's interesting it's like with all the fresh and fit stuff you know a lot of the things they hate on i don't i don't agree with everything they say but at the same time, I feel like watching Fresh and Fit really taught me to just like be honest with myself about what I'm looking for in a relationship. Mm. You know, in that show, they go they go off in a lot of ways about you know guys aren't looking for a career woman or like guys aren't looking for a woman that makes a lot of money. And I think like in the past, I maybe got caught up in like, man, I need to get a girl that's like a creator that does the same shit as me. Whereas now it's like, no, I need somebody that's going to hold me down, Pokey like, man. make my life easy. You know what I mean? i not. You know what I mean? Imagine <laughs> you were looking Poke for a clout
0: man. relationship. For a, a, you got what, your clout a- drink. You got your clout hat. Get Listen, a clout girlfriend,
1: bro. You know, I, not no, because you get the clout girlfriend, and then then it's a competition. Then right. you're competing. Are with you your signed to
0: Prime or is this genuinely? Oh shit! You're excited I, about? This? I just love Prime. Really?
1: KSI sent me a case of Prime. He did because I I chat to KSI a little bit on Instagram, and he basically I was just fishing constantly to get some Prime when you couldn't get. Really?
0: It. I think they DM'd me about getting some Prime, and I didn't respond.
1: See, I had to fish. I was I, I just hit KSI up like, man, Prime looking good. Really. Bro, looking new flavor looking fire, bro. But that
0: makes sense for you too because you gotta support your countrymen.
1: Hell yeah, bro. I mean it's it's hard for Logan Paul too. And just as a YouTuber. KSI is the is the king of this. For
0: sure. Like you gotta look at KSI, regardless of if you watch all his content or whatever, but you gotta look at him and be like, that right there is one of the fucking goats. And he is from your country, Mm. and he is a black guy from a country that I mean, I'm not entitled to fucking speak about what the UK's relationship to black people are, but I feel like young black dudes in England appreciate the role that he plays.
1: Hell yeah man. Now England I'd say overall is a bit of a racist country, is you know, it? historically it has been a lot right. of the old white people in England I would say maybe have that fear of of other people, right. other sorts of people, you know, and uh obviously London is extremely multi multicultural, it's right. the real melting pot. I mean, I lived in London for like 8 years, but like outside of London I mean, where I grew up, I grew up in a very small town on the south coast of England. There weren't any black kids in my school Right, growing up. There just weren't any. That wasn't my choice. You know what I'm saying? I was listening to hip hop, idolizing all these black artists. But like, I didn't know many black, you know, I knew, maybe had like one or two black friends like from outside of school or whatever. Right. You know, from being into music, or like going to hip hop nights or whatever. But like, you know, the UK, it's, it's, it's got some issues.
0: Because, okay, in the UK, it's like you've had a lot of rappers. Well, maybe not a lot of rappers, but you've definitely had a significant amount of rappers who capture the hearts of the young people and everything. Mm. But KSI is different because he's mm. he's not like intimidating. He's like a fucking guy that like everybody can agree this seems like a cool guy that I would get along with, you know? There's nothing really too edgy about him. So he's able mm. to have like the biggest fan base.
1: He's an inspiration, bro. It's so funny, right? Years before I was YouTubing, I remember such a, this was like a formative moment for me in my life. I was walking down the street in London, And I just see this Lambo drive by. I just look at the number plate. It said KSI Fly.
0: Mm. It's like,
1: oh, it's that KSI dude. Lambo goes past. And then like maybe like 10, 15 seconds later, like five kids on BMXs come whizzing past. Like, yo, it's KSI. They were chasing his Lambo through the streets of London. And I just remember thinking, I was like, Damn, I I didn't even know what I'd seen. I was just like, "This is that YouTube shit." Like, (laughs) like what? I I didn't really, I wasn't really plugged into YouTube at that point. That would have been maybe like twenty thirteen or something, right? But like, I just remember seeing that and just being like, "Who is this KSI guy?" To me, like when I
0: look at your channel, uh, there's a part of me that's kind of just like jealous of your lifestyle because it seems like you get to just. I know you have your second channel. You do a lot of sort of bonus content or whatever, the the lighter stuff. But the fact that you get to just take on these super expansive like basically gigantic study projects where you just consume a ridiculous amount of information and then sort of put that all together into something that's digestible to people like if i could live an alternate identity i would love to just sit around researching this shit all the time it seems so fun
1: do you want to swap plug talk for trap law because, you know, I'm saying we can swap channels. We
0: can do a week, yeah. You <laughs> but, and I'll have Lena researching FBG Duck, and you can be fucking girls with your misses.
1: Yeah, yeah, facts. That'll be fire. Isn't but it? no, bro, that's, that's you know, it's very kind of you to say that. Like, you know, it's 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 a blessing to be able to do this. Mm. I kind of fell into it. I am very blessed to be able to sit and do this. I would have been sitting for weeks watching every hip hop interview that came out anyway. Like before right. I did this as a channel, and it became my career. I just was the dude that would watch every, I don't know, Takeshi Six Nine interview that came out. Like I was just obsessed with hip hop, obsessed with the culture. And it just so happens that at a certain point I managed to spin it into a career. Yeah. And now, you know, like you say, I I do literally sit there watching and consuming hip hop content all day, every day, and that is my job.
0: Yeah, because that that to me is like the thing that led me to doing this in the first place for sure too is i just i started to really go outside my BMX bubble i'd always just been basically like BMX rap poker and i eventually like the rap thing just kept getting bigger and bigger to me where there was rappers i was interested in and then also around that time increasingly like youtubers and different podcasters and stuff like that where i was just going through these insanely deep dives i remember having like many days where i'd stay up till eight in the morning just like researching some random youtuber that i had figured out about you know and it just really just kept occurring to me like nobody is interviewing these people like Mm -hmm. you could totally create a podcast setup and be able to interview a lot of these rappers and youtubers and shit like that and uh yeah that's why a lot of times when people are like oh i want to basically end up where you're at and it's kind of weird to give them advice because it's Mm -hmm. like well i mean i got here because i just actually was that person that wanted that so bad a lot Mm -hmm. of times it feels like people are maybe they they want that status but they don't want to actually put in the absurd amount of work that it takes to get there and that's true with you too like obviously it's just you do a three-hour video i mean it's got to be months of research
1: it's a lot of work bro i go crazy making these videos to be honest yeah. i mean i've recently expanded my team and this is something i want to talk to you about because like i really look up to you i admire what you've done and even just like I already admired what you were doing a few years ago, but now it's like you've brought in all these hosts. You've got all these different shows. It's like a network. It's Appreciate like that. you know, YouTube. When these people say it's a YouTube channel, mm. it's like I feel like only in the past few years have YouTube channels actually become like TV networks. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's what you've done. I think it's amazing.
0: Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, but so take me through some of the the research, like what really goes into this, because you know I I have some experience. Like I did that Brian Pumper video, mm. and that really led me down like every dark corner i could find but really my research kind of stopped at like deep searching youtube finding as many videos as possible you know google searches poking around on message boards from back in the day a little mm-hmm. bit i was i went a world star and i searched mm-hmm. his name mad times i found like every time world star had ever posted him but then you know as i really got deeper and deeper into it it started to occur to me like there's a lot of people that i could probably speak to you know like everybody's got friends or relatives or whatever like it's probably not More than a few DMs away for me to be like talking to this dude's mom. Yeah. You know? (laughs) But do I want to take it that far? Do I want to talk to some ex girlfriend of his and get like a full psychological evaluation and make that part of the video? It's Mm -hmm. like at some point you just kind of want to stop. I don't know. You tell me.
1: Yeah. I feel like my approach to researching videos is really just going like no stone unturned on everything that exists out there on a topic. But I'd never cross the line into trying to get inside info mm. and i always made a conscious effort because my whole thing is it's like like i said a minute ago if i hadn't made this my career i would still probably be watching every interview with a rapper i'm interested in in my spare right. time that's what i'm doing instead of watching netflix people say to me oh bro watch this show on netflix i'm like oh yeah i know i'm not gonna watch it i'd rather watch a three-hour mo3 interview <laughs> right saying? like then watch a netflix series i don't care but um my thing is like it's no stone unturned i'm trying to give you basically in a video format just every bit of info about a topic Mm. that I would have learned had I just been interested learning about it myself watching all of this stuff and just picking out the perfect nuggets of information to tell that story you know I try and watch everything like you say you might google Brian Pumper you know and for me it's just like I'm opening a tab with every single interview on YouTube that exists with him I'm reading every single written interview or you know I'm googling it I mean, for example, like say the Drake with the Rule of video. It's like I'm reading every Fader interview with him, every LA Times, like every every written interview with this guy, every article about him. I'm just trying to go through all of it and just get to the get to the bottom of it, get every piece of info.
0: Right. It's fun. It's kind of funny because it's like you do everything except what I do. Yeah. Like have the actual conversation with the people involved. Like that's like the one step that you don't fully go into, which is that. I've, and in the past, when I've thought about doing documentaries and mm-hmm. stuff too, that was the kind of intimidating part is just realizing like oh man there's just going to be so much social networking and just getting in contact with so many people and pulling up and having conversations with so many people in order to get this information that i'm going to want to get if i do this as opposed to wanting to do a podcast and it's like oh we got two hours of content and it takes us two hours to film it
1: well the way i've always seen it the content game almost like a pyramid and it's people like you and vlad i would say at the top of the pyramid it's almost like imagine like you get them no damn (laughs) We need to pack that fly. Pyramid. Me and Vlad, were at the top? You're at the top of the pyramid. You're like, you're mining for diamonds. Like, you're literally in the trenches. You're in the cave. You're mining. You're literally speaking to people, getting the info firsthand. Right. If you didn't do a yellow Beezy interview where he says X or Y, the world wouldn't know that piece of information. Right. right? So, like, you guys are at the forefront mining that information. Whereas for me, it's like, you guys are mining diamonds, but I'm like a jeweler. I'm taking those diamonds and putting them into a chain and Mm. crafting a perfect piece that is going to i don't know delight people for right. example and i think to be honest i feel like what you do what like what you and vlad do is more important than what i do but i feel like i'm trying to be like the best i can be at what i do if that makes sense well
0: but the thing is that now there's a million vlads and a million M 22s mm-hmm. you know so it's like Very rarely these days, like when I think about the X interview, Mm. think about how early people would have been begging him to do interviews in his career. He would have done fucking interviews before he had a song out, realistically, because there's so many thirsty ass interviews out here. So it's like the likelihood of me getting artists that fucking early is actually pretty low at this point especially just given the size of the platform it's like how much sense does it make to take a million shots on all these like much smaller artists i have to just like kind of use my own sense of what i think is cool or or what might work out in the long run but yeah like that that definitely was like kind of a realization at a certain point is like This business is just going to have to be based on something much more significant than just doing the hot new young rapper interviews, you know, like that's cool if you can do it, but it's just got to be about a lot more because that shit is hard to fucking wrangle.
1: Well, you've kind of transcended that at this point, you know, you did those ex interviews, you did those up and comer interviews when you were kind of an up and comer right in the space. And you know the fame of people like X or Trippy or even you know you did one of the earliest Six Nine interviews, right? Yeah. And the success of all those artists going up has brought you up. So now you're you know a tier interviewer. You don't really need to be running around trying to find the next big person because you can actually attract the biggest names in the game and just have viral interviews off off the bat now. So it's like you know people like you and Vlad and Ak with your interview platforms. It's like you're getting the A star, A list people on. But at the same time, you have the freedom mm. to get you know, the up and comers or people that you have an interest in. I don't think I'm a, I'm a, a list creator, but like, you know, maybe I'm a get there at some point and you are tapped in with me now. No, so you're you're kind blown of out.
0: About, You've done everybody's podcast around the world. Bro, I'm trying, bro. I'm working. <laughs> I had hello. Yassine yesterday
1: yeah yeah I, w- I was trying to link with him in la but it didn't work out how's he doing
0: it was tight yeah Yeah. good interview he was fully masked up i think like he's not that secretive about his face but he did the interview with the mask on Oh, he did it with the mask on which i think is probably good from a branding perspective
1: well i linked up with trap geek a while ago how was that yeah legend man me and him good friends where's he live at? i don't want to blow his spot up oh so he's like that, that secretive, he's a very secretive dude but really i was telling him because i feel like me and him have amazing conversations right and, like when we chop it up it's just hilarious
0: swamp stories was That's about really to awesome. come through and claim that he was going to do the interview with no mask or nothing oh, shit. and uh but it was like a saturday and i wasn't in town or whatever so it's like that that is a, a real possibility
1: well i've tried to convince both blackie speaks and trap geek to do interviews with like balaclavas on or really? masks on but they're not trying to do it but i just think that'd be cool but you know i mean i my face is out there so it's what it is but so,
0: when is blackie going to do a face reveal
1: Bro, he he said he was gonna do one at 500k. Didn't right, did One mil That's didn't happen. Saying. He's he's made his. I think he's made his piece. Maybe he's
0: just gonna hold on to it forever, like dream up until like three days ago.
1: Yeah, I haven't I haven't had a chance to look at his face yet. You didn't see that. I didn't see the face.
0: People are giving him a hard time because he has kind of a. He's got a strong jaw. He
1: got a strong jaw. Yeah. I mean. I feel like once you get to that point, you're better off just keeping it a secret, to be
0: uh, Yeah, the but... The,
1: the mystery works for you. Think
0: about what a pain in the ass it must be to have 40 million fucking subscribers, you're friends with all these different creators who you realistically probably want to do stuff with. Like, if I'm Dream and I go to VidCon or some shit, it's like, well, I mean, if you're Dream and you're trying to hide your face, why the fuck are you at VidCon? Somebody's just going to figure it out at some point, right? Or, like, you're going to want to go kick it with you know, a few streamer friends of yours or going on a road trip or whatever. And then like hiding your face the whole time. Like it it works when you don't have real life connections with these people, but as it becomes your life, I feel like it probably just becomes more and more of a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I think to myself, uh, it's kind of frustrating because the amount of times people say shit to me and I don't give it much attention, but like people say to me like, Oh bro, you know, you should be careful. Like the work you do, like who knows what who knows gonna who's gonna come and come and get you and stuff. And it's like sometimes I do think to myself, like, man, maybe it would have been better if I was anonymous. Mm. But also I think the fact that I'm in the videos, I'm the guy reselling these videos. And I'm the guy delivering the information. I think that is kind of priceless.
0: Right. But how much of your personal life do you put out there? You try to keep it like zero or you give them little tidbits?
1: I try and keep it. Nah, there are tidbits because I did it ages ago. I did a video like about myself. Right. I don't know why I did that. But at the time it seemed like a good idea. Right. And I kind of told my – I think I was just trying to like seize back the narrative of like what I'm really about. Right. And like tell the story of like I used to do stand-up comedy and then like Mm. doing YouTube sketches and then sort of getting into the hip-hop stuff. Like always being into hip-hop but – it's funny because it's like for years I was the lame white guy from a small town that loved hip-hop and no one was trying to hear it. Right, And like people would literally like my homie would say to me, you need to do some videos about hip-hop, like all the kinds of stories that I would tell my friends, like, yo, did you know Jay-Z shot his brother when he was 12? Like, I would tell my friend, <laughs> I would be like, look, let me break it down for you. Let me tell you about Gucci Mane's case. And I was like, right. oh, I ain't trying to hear this. But it's like, someone's like, yo, you need to make videos about this because you would be good at this. And the amount of times I'd be like, no one wants to hear a white guy from Bogner talk about hip-hop. Right. Turns out they do.
0: That's a, like, when I think about my life, my life could have had a very different alternate direction because in 2006, when I started the BMX website, when I was 22, I felt like I knew enough about BMX to have this sort of role where I could be the guy who was sort of posting everything and making sense of the culture for people. I had confidence in that. I didn't have confidence even though I loved hip hop so much. And had, at, at 22, I had been basically paying attention to rap like rapidly, like reading the magazines, paying attention to what was going on, drama, listening to all the hot albums, whatever at, at at 22, i had been doing that for like, you know, 12 years or like 13 years. Like I felt like I was a real true hip hop fan, but I think, you know, whether it was just the fact that I was white or the fact that I was just not really confident, like hip hop was so much more, like you had to be a fucking black dude from the streets basically to be taken seriously. Like if you're a white guy, it was like so much more of an outlier. You're like expected to know your role and stay in your place. But if I had had a little bit more gumption at that time and like, enough gall to really start putting my opinions out there on camera at that early stage in my life rather than waiting till I was 32 I definitely could have had a very different life trajectory even though in a lot of ways I'm pretty happy that I was able to make mistakes in the smaller sandbox of bike riding rather than on the big stage of everybody in rap knowing about me you know
1: well I feel like you know things things pan out how they're supposed to pan out Mm. and I feel like it's just ironic that it's like the amount of People that said to me, people still say it now, but I don't buy it. But like people that said to me, no one wants to hear a white guy from a small town talk about hip hop. And ironically, I feel like it actually worked out that people were more interested in me. And I go more viral off the fact that, let's be real, a lot of people that have maybe never seen me before Fire up one of my videos, and they take one look at me and go, "This guy." I'm not trying to hear anything this guy has to say about hip hop. Right. And then it's like, but so often, then once they actually listen to what I'm saying, they're like, "Oh no, he actually knows what he's talking about. Right. He's actually breaking it down. I need to get over his appearance. Yeah. Because what he is saying and the research that he's done is facts.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's why in the past when I've seen people give you a hard time, or I, I, I've seen like a few videos like smaller videos i mm. think you've never had any like blockbuster hits
1: about what a piece of shit you are right man joe budden doesn't seem to have caught wind of me yet so uh, when that the day that budden comes for me i'll know i've made it
0: but i've seen like some smaller mm. content creators kind of taking shots at you and I it's just weird to me because it's like listen like his videos are fucking good they're factually you know, as, as correct as could be, or it's, it's clear that you have a real dedication to the truth. I'm sure that you've made mistakes or or put stuff in videos that you regretted or whatever, but it's the very least, it seems like you're really attempting to document reality. So it's kind of hard for me to understand like what the, beef with trap be. maybe you can inform me about some of the criticisms that you see the most
1: yeah i mean I, some of it's going to be criticisms that you hear i'm sure right about uh, just
0: just drawing attention to street shit in general because a lot of people do feel like that they feel like mm-hmm. and i think they even said that in the joe Biden thing like this stuff should not be covered online Like gang shit should take place in the streets nobody should ever know or ever talk about it i'm sorry that seems a little naive at this point
1: that is one of the dumbest arguments (laughs) i've ever heard
0: has that ever been the case look at the mafia like how many fucking books and movies are based on the mafia right
1: you you never hear people saying the godfather shouldn't exist as a movie they should ban the godfather they shouldn't be platforming these italian murderers you know what i mean it's just like i I bet that if you
0: were in those communities at that time that you would have heard that it's just that having time to be able to look at the godfather or goodfellas and be like this is great great art this is great content like who gives a fuck of it maybe encourage some people to like you know join gangs or whatever uh once you have this these years and years and decades of of distance it becomes even more obvious that there's nothing wrong with creating art out of that sort of thing right
1: well bro it's like why don't they level the same criticism at the news people that i broke it makes me so angry like i just get sick of it people like yo you shouldn't talk about these these gang wars. The, these things are sad and people shouldn't know about them. And It's like that's completely illogical. So the war in Russia right now, it's is people are getting slaughtered. It's right. all over the news. Fire up CNN. It's going to be front page. There's going to be some banner ads underneath it, too. And like what? It's sad. So we shouldn't talk about the war in Ukraine. Right. We shouldn't talk about any of the tragedies going on all around the world, which are in every media news publication. These are important stories. You know what? I think the thing is about that, though, is that hip hop is it's it i I
0: think that when you look at cultures and how they are comfortable with being documented in the Mm -hmm. public eye a lot of it has to do with size because i'll give you an example in hip-hop if somebody gets a divorce Mm -hmm. this is news like no jumper posted academic posted everybody posted and it's like people do podcast clips talking about the divorce etc hip-hop is so big that we look at the celebrities within hip-hop like it's okay it's acceptable for us to have conversations about their private lives when i was in the bmx world I remember there was one year where like six big pro riders got divorced in the same year. Mm. And I remember just thinking like as the guy who was running the blog, like I'm not going to post this, but it's interesting that I'm not posting it. Like why is this not socially acceptable in BMX? But BMX is small enough that it's looked upon as tacky. It's almost it's closer to a family, you know, it's it's it, but as something gets bigger that we talk about Russia and Ukraine and geopolitical events, it's like nobody is under the illusion that these things shouldn't be discussed and reported upon. I think that a lot of people in rap are just kind of like not mature enough to understand that this is just how things go is that this is journalism. This mm-hmm. is what people do. They make content about real life events and like the fact that academics or me or whoever gets held to the standard when PMB rock dies and, and people make content about it or post about it, which I mean, at the same time, there's a Joe rog- or a Joe Budden clip talking about B rock too. Yeah. Like, so he's still making content about it, but like the, literally every news station did the same thing. Yeah. Every news station, if you were to have tuned in, I mean, maybe not every news station, but a lot of them, it would have been PMV Rock was killed today and it would have been a conversation about it. I mean, it's just how how could you really expect media companies in the long term to not make content about the stuff that people want them to talk about?
1: Well, it's it, these things are already really popular and big stories. I mean, it's like if I was the first person to ever talk about the war in O-Block, right in history, if I was the first person to ever bring that to people's attention, right. I still would stand on it. But like, you know, the argument would be, oh, you, you're bringing this sad thing people shouldn't know about to people's attention. Well, why has Lil Durk got a song called Should Have Ducked where he's talking right. about smoking on duck? It's a Billboard Top 100 song. Yeah. He's talking about smoking this op, right? And
0: when, when I was talking, when I've interviewed Dipset or whoever around that time, it's like they had beef with people like random fucking dudes on the block you know maybe it's gang related maybe it's not under the guise of a gang whatever but they had problems with people and then they just like wouldn't put it in their songs they didn't they weren't using this for marketing that's a possibility you know
1: you know it's it's like if it's in a popular song that is charting and the rappers are making a ton of money off and these are mainstream
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to say for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking
1: app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Songs in the culture. Right. It's just absurd. to. Th- it's, it's this absurd double standard to be like, okay... Dirk can have a song on the Billboard chart and on the radio in rotation talking about smoking on this man that got murdered in his community. But somebody can't make a video about the story behind a Billboard charting song. It just seems like an absurd double standard. People deserve to know what they're they're singing along to.
0: And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the should have ducked video might have like 50 million views on YouTube right now and way more on Spotify, whatever. These songs are like genuinely popular. I myself have probably heard that song like fucking 40 times in my life and not all of those times were intentional. You know, it's just Mm. like popular music. When you talk about like my FBG Cash interview, which is Mm. one thing that uh, Joe Budden was bringing up, I think that that might have like half a million views. Mm. I mean, it's just not... The the percentage of people who will watch a rap interview is very, very small in comparison to the percentage of people that will listen to rap music.
1: Absolutely, and... You know, for some reason, we want to just give a pass to the music yeah. for some reason and come at me or you or act But like, again, I had a conversation with Van Lathan, and he kind of said to me, you know, don't you feel it's wrong that you're kind of like selling popcorn for people to gawp at this gang war? And I said, listen, the man who sold way more popcorn than me is King Von. And he was the guy doing the murders, right? making songs about it, charting, you know, Allegedly, you're saying the Chicago police, all these papers have come out that this dude was murdering people in his community, right. making music about it, becoming very popular and like became a millionaire. You know what I mean? He was in O Block handing out wads of cash to people. Right. So, you know it's it's just crazy to think like doing journalism and reporting on these things that are big stories that are going on in the world like again it's like like we talk about you know you say well you know the war in ukraine it's, it's sort of on a big scale but when you look at the the beef that went on between von and his ox or von and duck and literally dozens of people that lost their lives in this story these are really important stories that i think people should know about like okay
0: the other day i was in boston and we were for whatever reason having a conversation on the live show about you know rappers from boston and stuff like that and we we're talking about drill music and everything and i said you know in some ways in boston because there is no like super popular gangster rapper you guys are kind of getting off easy because let's be real if boston had a little dark making killing sound cool and Mm. letting everybody know the the ins and outs of the gang politics in boston i am oblivious to the gang politics in boston because there hasn't been anybody making fucking killer rap music about it right like at one point a kid asked a question to 1090 jake about a specific like gang beef where somebody had been killed and Mm. all this shit and they asked 1090 jake why he didn't make a video about it and 1090 jake's response was basically like I'm good friends with some of the people involved. It literally happened like around the fucking corner from where I stayed at, at a certain point. I didn't want to dip my toe into having a conversation on camera about some shit that was like realistically like part of my fucking life, you know? And so Think about that. The fact that like Boston kind of gets off easy by not having, because realistically if Boston was going to have a big rapper, it would be somebody like King Vaughn most likely who was telling people the gory fucking details about that culture. Shout out to t tiny cut in the T-Rell. building. hell yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and it puts me in a weird spot too, because one thing that kind of stands out to me that my answer doesn't necessarily seem like it's sufficient is like on that, channel five thing he mm-hmm. said at one point he said uh do you think the drill music is like good or bad for society and i said bad and He's, like, you know why because it's literally people making songs about killing each other and it promotes more killing of each other et cetera. i can't sit here and tell you that i think that that shit is good for society but then the question is like well then why do you like it so much why do you listen to it why do you fucking interview the participants and it's kind of like the best metaphor i could think of is like I love the UFC. Mm. I watch it all the time. I would never want my fucking son to get involved in the UFC. I would never want my son to play football. I think it's just you're introducing the chance of like serious head trauma to such an extent that I think it would be totally irresponsible for me to like guide my own kid into MMA. But at the same time, I fucking love watching it at a certain point in my life. I really wanted to like get good at it. And I was Mm. doing jujitsu, all this stuff. And I do think it's of course, you know, jiu-jitsu or MMA to learn to protect yourself I think is a great idea for a lot of people but you know it's like the fact is is that UFC exists and there are grown men that want to take part in this and so I don't see any sort of conflict in me wanting to observe it and so even though I think King Von should not have killed those people and that that King Von sh- certainly should not have rapped about killing people but I mean as long as this this theater is taking place in the public eye I mean I would have to like really go out of my way to not pay attention to it, given that this is the music that I've been pretty much listening to my whole life, you know?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good points I want to unpack there. But yeah. Let me jump all the way back and say what you said earlier was really interesting about the Boston thing. Right. Firstly, the rule of this kind of shit. Oh hell yeah, big phone in the building. Um the rule of this thing, Since when do they get here early? Um the the rule of this thing is you're not supposed to shit where you eat. There's a reason I haven't done that many London UK stories because right. I'm not trying to get chefed up. I I get that, but then also like what you said a minute ago of um, people wouldn't know about these situations had they not been in hit songs. I was never considering doing a Jacksonville War documentary mm. until Who I Smoke came out, and that got you know twenty million views talking about smoking this person that person on a was a Vanessa Carlton sample right. going absolutely viral. I heard that song. I wasn't even planning to do a video on it, and I was just like. Let me look up the, let me Google the names in this song. I just want to know the story behind this. Mm. And I start looking into it and I'm like, oh, damn, this is a real kid. This is a 16 year old kid, Bibby, that got killed. Right. Whoa. Oh, this is another kid. And then you start to go, okay, let me hear a few Folio songs. Oh, damn. Okay. Start piecing it together and telling the story. I wouldn't have had the first clue to even Google these names had who I smoke not been the biggest song of that summer or whatever right. it was
0: and you don't use a vanessa carlton sample in hopes that people won't listen to your song like clearly that's an attempt to make a song that people are going to actually fucking listen to and that's why they did the fun video at the golf course and all this mm. shit you know it's like they didn't make that song to be an underground banger which i guess you could say about a lot of the early oblox stuff all the drill shit is like it wasn't exactly like being made to be consumed by a worldwide audience at that time
1: yeah I mean in a way it's kind of genius what Young and Ace and those guys did with that song because they kind of put their gang beef on the map right. and they had people like me making two-hour documentaries out of it and be- they became household names. I don't, I can't say I can't take credit and say I played a part in getting them out there but that song Who I Smoke" put them on the map to a lot of people mm. and then people like me, Trap Geek, a lot of media then came out of that and it's like how are we sp- like? How can I ignore this song? Who I smoke? We had Aiden Ross singing along, talking about smoking all these right. people, and then getting pressed by Fulio. Yeah. It's like, how is that? How can we just close our eyes and ignore that this is a massive story? Like, right? Yeah. But um, I want to go back to what you were saying a second ago as well about, um, I mean, your UFC example was interesting because I think uh, I think the question of do you think drill music is bad for society or whatever? I think that's like a corrupt question in itself. Because I think the drill music is just a symptom of a society where you've got, you know, a lot of rundown areas where, you know, young people might be minorities, might be black people, might be Hispanic people. In the UK, there's lots of different types of people from different backgrounds where the sort of hoods are, where the gangs kind of flourish these are areas where there's a lot of fucked up shit going on. People are going through a lot of difficult stuff. There are these wars, these gang wars that have been passed down from generations. You've got young kids, 13, 14. They don't even know what they're getting dragged into. Right. Right. And in the end, the music has kind of become an escape for people to. I'm going to make some music about this fucked up, difficult environment that I'm living in and try and get out of it. Right. And really, it's like it's not. I don't think it's fair to be like, oh, the gang, the gang music, the drill music is causing all the crime the crime would have been going on already. There was Mm. hella crime, hella shootings before drill music was going on. I mean, UK drill is a relatively new thing, but the history of UK gangs, the stabbings, the shootings, predates the music by decades. And there was road rap, which was like almost like the precursor to UK drill years ago. And no one was really listening or checking for road rap like they check for UK drill now. But it was the same shit, guys that were in street situations, coming up out of really difficult, dangerous areas, telling their stories, talking about what they go through in their day-to-day life. And like realistically, that's the only glimpse that some people from the affluent areas would get of like, what's really going on in the hood of Brixton or whatever. And it's kind of like, I I almost feel like it's it's an unfair question to just be like, well, is it, is the drill music causing the violence or is academics causing the violence?
0: I tend to take these sorts of questions like extremely literally. Mm. So the way that I took that question when I was answering it is that I almost just imagined a hypothetical world in which there was no music about violence or that there was no drill rap. Like imagine if somehow in like, like when Biggie and Pac got killed, that there just was a law passed that you were just no longer allowed to rap about killing somebody. And that somehow that was actually possible for that law to be implemented. And that we right now lived in a world where, Lil Dirk could go on his Instagram story and smoke on his ops or something, but he couldn't put it in a song. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a world that was significantly less violent, there's there significantly less murders committed because there's something about music that it just is so infectious and mm-hmm. people just love it so much. And the difference between like, a little Dirk interview or I guess a little Dirk wouldn't do this but like an interview with some random oblog guy where he basically says fuck Wooski Mm -hmm. the difference between him saying that in an interview is that the interview is gonna get a couple hundred thousand views maybe and that literally King Vaughn has songs where he's talking shit about Wooski that have like hundreds of millions of plays and that you just hear it over and over and over to the point where Wooski becomes this larger than life villain in your fucking head and then makes you want to go out and, and dig through random truth teller videos to figure out more about who this guy is and everything and i'm sure that Wooski's is aware of this dynamic where he's basically famous for a bunch of shit that i mean he obviously was a willing participant in some of it but then you know king vaughn comes along and just starts talking about him and makes him just way more of a figure Mm -hmm. i mean if that didn't exist the world would probably be a better place now that's that's not realistic but if it was somehow if all the old head rappers were able to just somehow create a change where rappers just didn't do it so much. Mm. Maybe if it was lessened by 50%. I mean, that would be a better world to live in.
1: Well, the the music is definitely offensive. Like, when rappers are going on the mic talking about, so we smoke on Tuca, you know what I'm saying? Are you, there are, There's interviews with Tuca's mom. Like, that stuff's hurtful and it's mm. offensive. Yeah. So well, I man, totally when you watch, that shit was heavy. Yeah. yeah.
0: cheese deserves their flowers for doing that because that watching his mom talk was tough for me.
1: Well, I think that's the aspect of these stories that really gets left behind. And that's why when I did my FBG Duck video, you know, it's two and a half hours. There's a lot that I cover in there. But I made sure that I put in, you know, there's a good 15, 20-minute segment where I'm just talking about Duck's mom and what she went through having to listen to this music. What was her reaction when Should Have Duck came out and was charting? Um, And that's the aspect of the story that's forgotten. But then going back to the kind of the popularity of the music, I think one of the, like... You're kind of right. You know, everybody talking about whiskey this, wooski that, they're smoking on Tuca. Obviously, that definitely is going to inflame things. But on the other hand, you've got to say, well, Tuca, for example, right? He was killed before Chief Keefe was even like a big artist, right? right? So the violence in that area was already going on. People, young people were getting killed. The same groups were going at it. And it only just so happened, you know, a year after, like a year or two after Tuca got killed, then Chief Chief Keef becomes famous, and Chief Keef wasn't really, you know, Chief Keef had some cases or whatever, but he wasn't gangbanging like you, your King Von's or whatever, right? right? Like he was making music, and it's kind of like, you know, I feel like. King, but he was
0: enticing that shit even for yeah. even later in his career too, because I was listening to it, fucking Earned It by him the other day, and he's just take a Tuca blunt and I burn it. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, bro, he had been away from that shit for so long at that point. And that's still at the front of his fucking mind is to just throw a little dirt on that guy's name.
1: But then Tuca got killed before Chief Keith was really rapping like that, right? So it's hard to say, uh, you know, the music, the music's responsible for the violence because before Chicago Drill was even a thing, these these murders were going on, right? So it's almost like, I don't know, I, I definitely can see where you're coming from, but I also just feel like, just blaming the music. I I think there's a lot of underlying socioeconomic reasons for gang violence, gang warfare, people being put in these situations and like coming up in these areas Mm. that are so messed up that they, they don't really get a fair chance at life. And I think it's like, like you say, if we banned the band drill music tomorrow or banned academics, bro, People are still going to be killing each other in, in areas where there's gang affiliations going on because they were before the music.
0: And academics is the least of fucking people's problems because he don't even talk about like super small artists, you know? It's like realistically, in the wake of academics not really talking about all these smaller artists, you have the 1090 Jake's of the world and all these different people who are covering people who are not even fucking famous in any way. You know, act never really did that. He was still talking about some dude who was a rapper and maybe he's not like a super popular rapper, but he got killed. So he's doing a video about it with Jake and all these other people. I mean, it's just clear that this is something that people want to hear about. So people are going to make content about it, you know?
1: Well, you know, it's news, it's media, it's journalism. Like if people want to know about the crimes going on in their city, I mean, I'm interested in the crime news in my area and they're not drilling. Like if some, some dude has a domestic violence case and kills his wife like a few streets over from me, I want to read about that on the news. I want to know what's going on in my community. And no one's making drill songs about that.
0: And I'm going to be real with you. I think that your content or 1090J's content probably is going to lessen gang violence. Well, From my perspective. It's like you're showing the whole story. You're mm. showing how fucking depressing this lifestyle is. You're showing how few winners there are at the end of the day. It does the thing that a lot of drill music fails at, which it shows the whole picture. It shows what this ends like.
1: Well, you know that's the thing i feel like a lot of people that criticize me on that front i'm like yo did you watch the video to the end because it's like if you watch my jacksonville video to the end you'll hear me i've got a whole chapter where i say yo this violence has got to stop right. this is so messed up these are young guys that really just shouldn't have even fallen into this situation thankfully a few of these guys are now getting a chance through music to get out of that situation mm. Or like the fbg duck video for example i say in that video over and over again this is nothing to be glamorized and i have sympathy for both sides because realistically, uh, King Von, he doesn't wake up one day. I mean, me and Flacco had a, had an interview about this where we kind of disagreed. But like, you know, the way I see it is like King Von didn't wake up one day and decide, yo, I'm a I'm a catch five bodies because mm. I'm a demon. He listened to his song demon. He says his OG white white got killed in front of him at the corner store and that turned him into a demon. If you're a young dude, 14, 15, you're seeing people you love get killed in front of you, mm. that changes you. And I've got sympathy for, you know, like I say in that video, I have sympathy for the guys that killed duck because some of those guys they lost one or two of their siblings to gangs on the other side and let's be real duck was in songs talking about smoking on this and that person too right Right. so you know i'm not saying that's the be all and end all of why the whole situation unfolded how it did but like you've got to have sympathy and, and an understanding of why things are they are how they are and like why people decide to do these things And it's like again i feel like it's like that perspective was missing from, I feel like, you know, the Channel 5 piece, for example, mm. right? And like, again, it, it just seems so lazy to just be like, yeah, it's Axe's fault. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. If we banned academics, I don't know if you've seen that meme where it's like, you know, academics channel banned and it's like right. murder rate drops to zero. Because
0: all academics is doing is, or was doing at that time is documenting some shit that would be fairly hard for the average person to understand. You know, he makes a five minute video about somebody getting killed in a barbershop and all of a sudden, a person can watch that and understand, whereas if this is just being wrapped about, it's going to be really hard for the average person to figure it out. And so it's like, people get pissed at him, whereas these are the exact same people who are watching the content to understand, you know, they get mad at the messenger because they need the messenger.
1: Well, people get mad at Ack for doing the war in Chirac, like as if he was the first and only person as if he was on the corner of 63rd mm. filming and finding it out firsthand. Half of the time, academics was just reading out of the Chicago Tribune of some real journalism that was going on and cracking a few jokes in there.
0: So, what was your overall perspective on Joe's little attempt at attacking me?
1: Well, I feel like Vlad kind of uh, unpacked that whole thing very well. (laughs) Vlad went in Uh, on him. (laughs) Hey, listen, I feel like you know Joe. Listen, Joe. Joe's got that love and hip hop strategy. He's just trying to get views and trying to get attention and go at people hard. But Mm. I feel like his argument. You know that that somehow like you, I mean, what's well, his thing was the whole Kevin Samuel's thing, right? He didn't like that you posted something after he died. No, we
0: posted clips after he passed away.
1: Bro, you're a media company, bro. Like you're trying to celebrate Kevin Samuel's life mm. and put the content out that people are trying to see. When Kevin, Sa- when P and B Rock died, the first thing I did was went and put on a couple of his songs, bro. You know, I'm like, I'm like, damn, man. Like, there's some songs of his. That one of his with Kodak, yeah. where he's talking about. Uh, Uh,
0: i'm not gonna try to sing the words because i'm gonna fuck it up but i remember interviewing him back in the day Mm. and him talking about how he was singing that in prison for years like he was just keeping that in his head Mm. and everybody on his floor loved it and would make him sing it and shit and fucking then he gets out and records it and gets kodak on it and Mm. it becomes this big hit it's pretty (laughs) Pretty crazy,
1: but it's like that's the first thing I did, bro. I've I thrown a few P and B rock songs in the car. Uh, you know, what I'm saying, tearing up, thinking like, "Damn, man, this is like an artist I really liked." Mm. But like, what by Joe Budden's <laughs> logic, Spotify should should take down all the P and B rock songs for a week after he dies. Like, what the right. hell are you talking about? Yeah, like, it's, but I think Joe Budden is doing Joe Budden. You know what I mean? I don't almost don't want to give too much attention to it.
0: But it's weird because if you take a PNB rock clip like if i had posted a clip from one of his interviews on instagram or if i had posted it on tiktok or whatever somehow that wouldn't get the same level of criticism because people recognize that i'm probably not making money off of it you know if you had just put it on twitter but then as soon as you put it on youtube and everybody realizes that you're making some amount of money off it somehow they can only think about the money
1: well i don't buy that either right cuz it's like people people get so fixated on like oh you're making money off of this stuff. Mm. And It's like bro cnn.com there's banner ads all over the place. This you know Ukraine war, this person killed, this, tro- this this crisis, people dying in a hurricane whatever, that's all monetized. Like when did it become like wrong for people to make a living off of doing good journalism, bro? Cuz if if what are we going to do? Turn the entire journalism um industry into a charity case. Like what right. like it just makes no sense and, to me.
0: And the crazy thing about it too is that it's like me or ak or vlad or whoever having a fucking conversation about the pmb rock thing it's like we're clearly bringing more expertise to that conversation as people that pay attention to like everything that's going on in hip-hop so why is it okay for the news at 5 p.m to talk about pmb rock getting killed but then you have like people that this is the entirety of what they fucking study and i wonder if this happens in other niches because I kind of feel like if you're in the chess community and somebody Mm. gets killed and you make a video about the fact that they got killed, which probably has like almost never happened in the history of chess, that people just wouldn't think that. That they would think, of course, yeah, why would you not want to document properly the biggest news that was happening in our community? But maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know.
1: Well, I think, you know, Vlad broke it down very well with Joe. Almost it's just like, it's not really, I feel like what he's saying isn't really what it's about. He just kind of wants to put you down Mm. and Vlad down whatever reason he's kind of competitive he's got his platform hey listen his platform's monetized you saw my joe Bottom video joe Bottom was chasing 100 million dollar checks right. he wants to pocket watch other people for making money off of their interviews like, i
0: think what? i think if joe had to relive that episode that he probably would have like worked on his takes a little bit more
1: but it was a viral clip i'm sure joe did the numbers he was looking to do <laughs> on the whole thing and i'm sure it was all monetized and patreoned the way he wanted it so do, do
0: you see the part in the episode where he's like I said that the comments were going to agree with me, and he laughs in my face and says, like, (laughs) ha, you'll see. And then, yeah.
1: Joe's read the room wrong before, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. So how do you feel about uh, coming out here to Los Angeles and sort of setting the No Jumper uh, meta conversation on fire?
1: Bruh, so I feel like I really, I came out here, right? And I have been following the no Jumper Reddit very closely because I'm a Reddit boy. I'm a Reddit constantly. Right. I'm all over Reddit, all different subreddits.
0: And I know a lot of the the hosts will say, like, fuck the Reddit and shit. I do have to admit that the Reddit being so lively, Mm. I can't help but look at that and just feel like, damn, like, that's amazing. That, like, people actually fuck with our platform enough that Mm. they want to have these deep of conversations about it. So even when it's negative, it's like I see the positive in it
1: it's a symptom of success. Yeah. You remember that DJ Khaled album cover, suffering from success? He's, yeah. I've like, got a headache, but he's got all his jewels on. That's me. So that's yeah. what you're going through right now because <laughs> you've got 30,000 people that are just rabid. But uh, here's the problem is that like, you know, you've you've cultivated this audience with a very specific sense of humor and they're kind of like, aiming that sense of humor at you guys now i see it was my strategy okay i came out here i've been plugged into the reddit for a minute and i was really just hoping that like i could get off a few jokes and just get the reddits to being like yo we love trap law like Mm. he's open he's over here in the no jumper universe doing his thing
0: and that has worked because i saw some memes of you basically being presented as like the hero of of their community because you actually got us to talk about shit that had not previously really been discussed
1: well what because the thing is whilst i was coming over here i could sort of you know i could see the the subreddit maybe turning a little bit toxic kind of turning on you guys a little bit in favor of uh, you know another upcoming platform that we (laughs) we maybe won't name right away but um i was hoping because i know that there was the whole drama where you guys kind of got kicked as mods from your own subreddit or whatever right Mm. i was hoping like if i could become if i could get the reddit on my side maybe i could help like squash the beef and kind of like calm the tensions on the reddit a little bit you know what Mm. i mean call a truce that's what i was hoping but i made a little joke on tent talks right and it got taken it got taken it got it got memed and it got taken out of proportion and then i I ended up sort of in the middle of a whole situation so i don't know whether you want to speak on it
0: no yeah definitely because it's like i'm gonna be real with you like my attitude on anybody that i fuck with is like if you're a host on this channel or if I'm even kicking it with you for a week, if we're friends for six months, whatever, and then you end up going your separate ways at some point or we have a disagreement where we can't work out, whatever, I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm going to I'm gonna avoid talking about it as best I can because we were cool at one point and I'm not trying to, like, shit on whatever the fuck you have going on at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. So my attitude on it was always just, I'm going to ignore this. I'm not going to talk about it, which has always been kind of easy for me to pull off because I didn't have this rabid community fucking begging me to speak about every in and out of my personal life, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, I just think it's hilarious that you fucking showed up, clearly didn't get the memo of us trying to avoid talking about this and that.
1: (laughs) Well, I saw the clip of T-Rail saying that, what was he saying, like, he also didn't get the memo, so he was speaking on it before everyone had a chance to not speak on it. So well, it he's like, always
0: he's always looking at anything that seems like it's a you know we're 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 kind of avoiding conflict, and he's like, ooh, how do I spice this up? How do I get in there and sort of make this happen?
1: That is kind of what the people are trying to see. Yeah, unfortunately, but I didn't I didn't come here and intend to stoke beef. I was really just hoping to like slip a few jokes in to make them like me, and it's kind of it kind of backfired. You
0: turned like, Yuri into a shooter. Bruh, Judy, Yuri got more gangster than I've ever seen him get, and I think actually got a lot of credit from people because they liked seeing him stand up for his girl.
1: Bruh, he's still tall by the looks <laughs> of it. You know what I mean? But the, I was in a cab, literally. I did the Flocko interview, and then I was in a cab, and I pulled out my phone. I was I see Yuri on live, kind of doing his defending himself, and I was just kind of like, "Fuck, man, what have I, what have I started?" Because it was one comment I made on TED tent Talks. It was right. one little joke, and then it got turned into a meme, and it was like. That that became this whole thing. That was the catalyst for then this beef to escalate. And then, like, I, I sent a I sent a super chat in to to Yuri saying like, "Bro, I feel like I feel that this is all my fault. Like, this is not what I intended." Right. I
0: but. mean, you were just cracking a joke. Like, I, I I I don't really see any kind of ill will in what you were attempting to do there. You know, I mean, the whole thing is like once the audience gets the idea that they can really impact you and your life and the content or whatever, then they'll, they'll attempt to do so, you know? And so it's like, I think a lot of podcasters and stuff at a certain point kind of realize that they shouldn't maybe be like speaking about their community constantly because the community is going to get the feeling that like they can kind of pull the strings or whatever, Mm -hmm. even if that is clearly the case, like us talking about it right now. But you know, it's like, The problem is is that I mean Kiki is just like too easy to troll like he's just going for it somebody made that fucking video and he's just falling for it right away and it's like bro you can't like he's so far away from where he needs to be at in terms of not letting these motherfuckers Mm. get to him Mm. and they, they see the soft target and they're just on it
1: and here's the problem the memes that they're making in the subreddit are hilarious. Oh yeah and that that <laughs> and that theme song bro that I've been hearing that theme song in my dreams that is the hardest beat I've ever heard
0: I know and I have to come in here every day and just act like I don't think it's fucking hilarious and just avoid talking about it yeah you know?
1: then this is what i mean bro it's like you know you've accidentally cultivated this subreddit where they they their sense of humor is overall pretty on point the stuff yeah. they're coming out with is, is hilarious ad when i was on community last night ad accused me of coming up with a lot of these memes right and it's not me but like I, I mean i wish i had time on my hands to do shit that's like honestly
0: that. how i feel too because sometimes i just see people coming up with memes and then people like accuse me of being the person and i'm almost like dude like I don't blame you for thinking that because it feels like almost nobody would have such a nuanced understanding of what was happening here besides me and like other people who fucking work here i can't even imagine the idea of making an alternate fucking reddit account never mind like making memes which i just i'm glad i don't have a reputation for making memes in the past because at least that gives me a little bit more plausible deniability but yeah like i i mean i don't blame the people for Trying to pull the fucking strings because it's working.
1: They're high production value memes too, bro. They're like fully animated memes, bro. I don't know. Like Someone must have a team or some shit working on these. Because it's like they're putting together good stuff. They're basically doing the marketing. For but
0: We met some of our meme pages while we were on tour. Mm. So Cryptic, mm-hmm. Crypt underscore tick I see that one. Was like front row at the New York show. And he's got like a fucking big ass mustache and shit. Hella funny looking. But he's also like funny as fuck when we were talking to him and shit like i don't know what he does that allows him enough free time to be able to do this but we were all hypothesizing and i was just like dude i guarantee he's got like an overnight job or something where it's like no big deal for him to be on his phone and he's just able to put together these fucking masterpieces you know
1: well that's the thing bro it's like You know, you're suffering from success, and it's almost like you got to find a way to navigate this community and turn it into something positive Mm. because it's just a case of like they are hilarious. And look, they are literally willing to spend hours of their free time off their own back to Mm. make hilarious memes, basically roasting the things that are going on here. Right. But I feel like you just got to, you got to kind of find a way to like spin the narrative because I think if you, If you guys go full on, like, go to war with your own community, I feel like that's when it goes left. I feel like maybe that's what's been happening a little bit.
0: No, yeah. If if the hosts make it clear that they fucking really hate the Reddit, Mm. that's going to make the Reddit feel even more empowered. And, like, for me, you know, I'm not, like, trying to have fucking control over it. Mm. Like, I'm trying to keep a very small percentage of the content, which is basically, like, shit that fucking victimizes girlfriends and children, which, you know, there is a bit of that. That's the only stuff that I'm really concerned with removing or making sure that the mods remove or whatever. Besides that, if you want to say whatever the fuck you want about Flacco or me or whatever, I feel like up until the point where you start to see like certain accounts seeming like just straight agents of chaos where they're like only there to offer the most fucking negative, ridiculous, fake version of whatever's going on, besides that... You know, I'm not trying to have control over this. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that it exists for the most part.
1: Well, what, something I wanted to ask you was like, have you ever seen any of KSI's Reddit videos where he mm. reacts to his own Reddit?
0: Not that much. It's,
1: it's an iconic video format. And it was. Right. Like, I feel like almost like what you guys need to do is to like reset the relationship with Reddit. Maybe just like once a month, like one of you guys to just do a video where you react to like the top stuff of that month on Reddit. Well, that sounds it's like, like we're bug. just
0: drawing way more attention to it. Yeah, that might, that might reset the relationship to a certain extent but i don't feel like the the reddit has like a really terrible relationship with most of the people on the staff mm. i feel like sometimes it feels like sometimes it feels like there's like a misinformation campaign type shit where you'll see like 10 posts about duno in a row where it's kind of like bro like this kind of feels like there's like one guy who hates duno and he's really <laughs> trying to just make this more of a thing than it is mm. even though i do agree duno needs to stop asking like third grade would you rather type questions at times yeah. he he should take that advice that yeah. would be an example of like oh you should listen to the reddit
1: hey listen this is something i learned early on is like if you're a, if you're at a stage where you're reading all the comments right it's like yeah there's you'll get like 80% praise 5% or 10% just like complete outright disrespect that you need to ignore. Right. And then there might be 10% of criticism that actually you could take on board. I mean, I've got old videos where it's like, you know, I read through the comments. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm learning things that I could do better in these videos. I'm going to ignore everybody who's just dissing me and saying that I'm a culture vulture. Mm. But it's like there is stuff to be learned from some of these things. But the Reddit goes too hard. But I'm hoping like if, if, the, Reddit, if the Reddit is watching this, like, you know what I'm saying? We know that those guys in the Reddit, they do love no jumper. Yeah, they're there because they're They're not there for a reason. And it just so happens that this whole thing with the pop up, it's just so hilariously (laughs) enticing to make stuff about. Are you going to go on the pop up? I was invited.
0: I am very excited to see what becomes of the pop up. I'll be totally honest. Yeah,
1: I I, I feel like I should. I need to ask your permission if I can go on there. I don't give a
0: fuck. Good for it. Yeah,
1: I don't want to burn any bridges. yo.
0: no, go for it.
1: I have to think about it. I might I might I might get cancelled like fresh and fit.
0: But did you, you see that I mean? he got like he reposted the clip of you rapping and then it got deleted mm. off Instagram for like bullying and harassment. Really? So now it's kinda like, oh shit. You're sort of seeing the hate mob take on a different face. Where and he also posted a DM last night where somebody was like straight up calling the N-word and everything and like being super racist. And it's kinda like, Oh, okay, maybe we'll kinda see this like hate mob thing kind of take on other waves because at a certain point if they feel like their old tricks aren't getting to you they're gonna try some new shit right
1: well here's the thing man when you're successful and you got a lot going on and you've kind of like you got you got to the point in your career maybe where you want to be having hundreds of people on the internet mocking you doesn't really hurt as much Mm. you know what i mean he kind of has got some exposure over here, but he's trying to get his own thing going, like whatever went on, whatever. But it's like, obviously he's getting this kind of like hate mob of people fucking with him. And he's not, I feel like he's, he's obviously just not at the stage in his media career yet where he knows how to navigate that. Cause I, I was saying to, to AD it's like half of the job is making content. And the other half of the job is like holding your nerve and like navigating the space and not going fucking insane. Like with <laughs> the shit people are saying or like, putting yeah. you down or knowing the right moves to make you know what i mean
0: and and that's true of people who are just sort of like grinding their way up is mm-hmm. that at a certain point it becomes really hard to like distinguish who you are as a person versus what works content wise mm-hmm. you
1: know and if- as well if you get too caught up in the comments you start being like oh man I, i've got to do what they say but you always got a lead you've you've always got a to- make content the way you want to make it right. and then they're going to say say what they want about it afterwards but you can't be chasing what the comments trying to fit into what their agenda is because at the end of the day at least in the reddit say like they're kind of just fucking with you they don't really know what they want like they'll forget about all this shit in a few weeks and be on something else
0: right i'm gonna actually just like open the reddit and look at what they're saying about what we're saying right now and just like give. Oh,
1: yeah because this is live bro they'll be talking <laughs> they've been they've been putting me they've been saying i'm the i'm the real jeffrey dharma you see that one
0: i'll just give people a little a little hint of what's going on okay adam talking about kiki with traveler ross uh somebody took out a billboard basically saying please notice me kazumi uh when is the necro interview dropping probably in like a week or so i
1: can't wait to see the necro interview bro amazing i used to love necro like when i was a kid bro i was listening to necro for some fuck reason but right. um, bro all those like gory days dvd and shit i was way too young to be watching that
0: there's not as many posts as i would have kind of assumed I only looked back 16 minutes but somebody said Riley and Yuri are some clowns they're crying about being harassed because Kiki lost his job but we wouldn't have even known about this if it wasn't for Riley and
1: Yuri it's not really true we wouldn't really know about it if it wasn't for Trevor Ross right hey listen I was chasing the reddit <laughs> do you I feel like I didn't I don't know bro are you what are you sorting by are you sorting by new new okay I'm always new yeah, yeah it got by which new. is
0: kind of weird because then I never really like see that much of like the conversation afterwards You know?
1: I feel like sorting by new is the most potent, addictive way of consuming Reddit. Like that's when you're on Reddit crack. Because for me, I'm addicted to Ukraine war news. Really? And I'm plugged into the most grisly, gory subreddits. Wow. And so I'm I'll be catching myself at night sorting by new, just watching literally the most up to date. Ten minutes ago, this guy got blown to pieces. Let me see that footage.
0: See, that's the kind of stuff that I know is going on. I know that I could go and be looking at every fucking update about it but I also just kind of know that it'll be bad for my mental health. So I choose to like consume like the Ukraine stuff. If I see like a viral video or something on Twitter, I'll watch it if I, you know, and I'll like listen to like a New York times podcast about it, like every couple of weeks or whatever to get my, you know, if there's some big update, maybe I'm reading a New York times article about it or something like that. But you know, it's just like, I feel like that shit is so depressing that I try to avoid it unless it's like really important updates because everything is like that where you could really, you know, like I was saying before that, I'm a UFC fan. At a certain point, I just kind of realized like, I am not gonna just follow all these fucking UFC fighters and follow all the media accounts and shit. I'm not gonna enjoy UFC the same way that I enjoy hip hop and pay attention to every last fucking detail of the ins and outs of who's gonna fight who, et cetera. Like I felt my brain kind of going there before and I was just like, this is not a good use of my time. I'm gonna keep more of like a be a fan who more just watches the fights and appreciates it for what it is.
1: I think that's a good way to do it. I think for me it's like, you know, I do this for a living. I do these hip hop deep dives. I don't do the news. I don't chase the news. I think it's almost like the news is my hobby, but it's like, I feel like there's just something so addictive. Like we're living in this internet age. Mm. There's something so addictive about being so plugged into what's going on. Like, you know, I'm plugged into all these, these, for, Ukraine's just an example, but it's like, even like UK drill, right? Like, I mean, there's a case going on in the UK where like a, you know, a, a black guy with affiliations to a, a gang in South London was killed, shot dead by the police. Right? right. And it's kind of been a lot of outrage about it. He, they say he was unarmed. that's kind of a bit more of a rare thing in the UK for like an unarmed black man to be shot by the police. Mm. But it's like the UK drill subreddit have been on it with like the updates and the details about this case, what the Met Police are putting out there, what people are saying about the situation. There was talk is like, yo, is there going to be riots? Because back in, I think, 2011, the last time, you know, an unarmed black man was killed by the police, that sparked the London riots. And in London, things were on fire for like a few days. So it's like, it's almost like this addiction to just like trying to be, out in front and just know what's going on like in the scene or in the community or just like these big stories and i don't know bro it's like we're living in this time it's like the only time in history where you know back in 2011 when the london riots were popping off you'd probably have to wait for the news to report on it the next day or you know for your corner store to be on fire and
0: i was like like you know when i was really bad was during the 2020 riots where it was like Normally for me, I will wake up in the morning and while I'm eating breakfast, I'll scroll Twitter for like an hour or Mm. half hour whatever, however long it takes me to eat breakfast. And then, you know, throughout the day, maybe I'll like pop in and look at the trending tab or, or check it out a little bit. And then maybe, like, at the end of the night, maybe I'll look at it a little bit again for, like, 20 minutes during dinner or something like that. But that's my main exposure to it. During the 2020 riots and everything, bro, I swear to God, I was just fucking refreshing Twitter. I was, like, barely even watching TV because there was just so many crazy things and insane videos and reading shit that activists were tweeting and reading shit that people, you know, it was just fucking wild. Like, I remember just being, like, way too into it.
1: It's addictive. I think like current affairs are, are addictive and I feel like we're we're living, you know, this is like the only time in history where you can access information so well. It's almost like I, I feel like the, the degree of information that I'm getting about the Ukraine war in real time, it's like some intelligence agency level shit. Right. Just by following a bunch of obscure Reddits and like sorting by new and knowing like I have an inkling about what's going on. And it's just it's just crazy the way that you can access information. You know, it's, the, it, it's these kind of things that allow me to make these videos and get so in-depth and find all of this info.
0: Okay, so what Reddit's are you subscribed to? Because for me, it's, I think, No Jumper, mm. The Pop-Up, mm-hmm. obviously. I think yeah. I joined that today. Of course. Um, Destiny, I read his a little bit. Joe Budden, I joined mm-hmm. at some point during all this hubbub. And then I think I'm in the Fighter and the Kid one as well. But I don't really scroll the main feed that much. I pretty much just go to No Jumper and look at that. You're
1: not following Shiracology?
0: no. Man. Although sometimes I'll, my Google alert will hit my email about me, and it'll be like somebody in the uh, L.A. gang Reddit talking shit yeah. about me, and I'll read Cal- a little bit of that. Yeah, you know? Cali banging. I should follow that. Yeah, Cali
1: banging. <laughs> you gotta follow Cali banging, man. <laughs> this is the thing, bro. Is, it is addictive, but it's like yeah, all the street subreddits I'm into. You got Cali banging, My State of Mind. We got UK Drill. Oh, i gotta get on some of these okay. bro there's loads of them and there's like uh the dumb way which is the louisiana nba young boy kind of scene oh wow. street scene that one's good there's um man crime in the d that's detroit mm-hmm. one there's uh man philly oh, i think there's two philly ones i think one was called philly scoreboard but i think that might have been taken down
0: do you have like a reddit part of your day or all just, day, all just day, every day,
1: bro. <laughs> you just sort of hit it all all day? Constantly, bro. Wow. I literally, like, oh, man, I'm addicted to Reddit. See,
0: sometimes I just feel like, you know, there are things, like, big picture things I want to do in my life. Like, for instance, I've been talking about this fucking podcast course that I want to do. Yeah. The problem is I just, like, I watch, like, 15 fucking poker streamers. I watch, I, you know, I'm watching Destiny argue with Keffles. What does this have to do with my life? Fucking Nothing. I'm watching like 10 different street YouTubers. I'm you know, it's just like my 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 subscription tab on YouTube is fucking nuts. I don't know how many channels I'm subscribed to, but it's probably like a fucking thousand. Like it's it's a lot. And I just could watch that content eternally. I kind of think I need to do like a content cleanse mm. for like a week and just basically say like, "Okay, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to do these things and i'm not going to get back on the content drip until i've accomplished this this and this
1: that's a good way to look at it i mean for example like you know if i'm like going on a non-work vacation or like going away with my girl for a bit i'm gonna try and take some time off reddit Mm. because i'm all over the reddit constantly damn you're bad i'm trying to take a little time off the reddit but like even
0: when i'm on vacation i'm still scrolling twitter for fucking half hour in the morning during breakfast or actually my girl kills me if i'm looking at twitter during breakfast but
1: it's got to be done, man. We're living in these crazy times, bro. And even then it's like, it's almost like I feel bad. You're beating yourself up about like, oh, you know, I'm watching this, this and that stream, watching this and that video on YouTube. But like, bro, you might next week, you might be in an interview, with one of these guys, and you need to know some obscure details about what they've been talking about.
0: Right. But sometimes I think we use that as too much of an excuse, you know, where it's like, I'll I'll just look like the other day, I fucking looked at it. I saw that destiny did like a three hour manifesto about his beef with Keffels and they, they did a debate and all this shit. And I'm just realizing, like, oh, my God, this is like five hours of content that I could watch if I want. And what's going to happen at the end of it? I'm going to know slightly more about Destiny and this random trans girl that I have absolutely no reason to be concerned about. Like, this is just not healthy. Even like for for, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been watching the uh, I, I watched the Rollo one this morning and then I've been watching the No Limit one. I'm like an hour into the No Limit one. You still have barely even got into G Herbo um that's a long ass story that one that's crazy yeah sometimes i just have to like try to be more selective about passing over shit because i just realize like i just can't let the content run my
1: life no i feel that man and it's you know it's like i feel like nowadays it's like people have people are so much more specific and like niched into their interests you know what i mean it's like I people, a lot of people like people in my life, or even like people in my family. It's like, oh man, I saw you had a new video. It's you know, it's doing well. Oh, I'll, I'll get around to watching it soon. I'm like, you ain't gonna watch my three hour video on a Chicago beef. Like, don't worry, it's not for you. It's not for you. There's a bunch of other people that this is for. It don't it ain't, it ain't for you, and that's fine. You, you know know, here's a thought I had. So I'm in
0: the porn world, and I'm always kind of brainstorming what are different businesses that I could maybe create in the porn world, or whatever. And I at a certain point, I thought, well, why don't I try to engineer somehow. The fucking DJ academics of porn Mm. where you cover all the beefs and Mm. you, you know, the shit talking and you, you really hype up all these different porn star girls and you create them as characters kind of where you're like covering, like really going, you know, be the shade room Mm. of all these porn star girls. Here's the problem. None of these girls are beefing publicly or talking shit about each other. Does it happen? Yes, it does happen occasionally and it can be a whole big thing and everybody talks about it, whatever. But it's very rare. Because they just, you know, I don't know, I don't know exactly why I would say that is the case, but it is kind of like a small community in a way. So I feel like a lot of people sort of feel close to each other to the point where even if they do have a horrible experience about somebody, they don't necessarily want to talk about it because that person is friends with this person, etc. It's just like very different than rap in that way. So I think that that is a good idea for a business. Hypothetically, I think people would be really hyped on it if you could have a consistent stream of news coming in. I just think you would really struggle to find much conflict to document.
1: I want to talk to you about the porn game. Okay. Because I really admire what you're doing. Thank you. And I think you are (laughs) one of, you are (laughs) one of the only people in this generation, or at least one of the first people that's actually come up with a way of innovating in porn. I think it's genius. Or like when I, when I saw what you were doing with plug talk and it's like, you're actually sitting down and having like a, you know, 50 minute conversation and then banging and then eating their ass and eating some ass. Mm. Like you, no one thought to do that. And I saw the future. You're one of the first people I feel like that's humanizing porn stars. Mm. It's, it's more ethical porn that you're Humanizing
0: doing. them and then dehumanizing
1: them Facts. by nutting on their face. Facts. I really admire what you're doing. Sometimes I think to myself, man, maybe I want to get in the porn game. Not necessarily as a performer. Right. But I feel like what you've done is really opened the door to lots of other ways of innovating in an industry that, let's be real, is kind of like not really done shit. Like innovative right. in, the, in, the, in the past 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah. See, yeah. that's another thing. There's so much I feel like I could do with Plug Talk but my whole fucking life is so centered on like all this content I'm watching and then running this fucking business. Mm. And it's like, I just need to clear some fucking time to be able to like, sometimes I feel like I'm really kind of blowing the opportunity because I am doing, you know, the plug talk thing is going smooth and everything, but I feel like there's a lot more I could do on top of that with the brand and everything that I just need to fucking free up time to be able to, to do more shit. But yeah, like honestly, And and when people are like, oh, Adam just is into the porn shit now. I interviewed fucking Riley Reid like so early on. That was always something that I wanted to do. I always was a fan of porn and was interested in the girls. And I always wanted to have conversations with them. So if at any point in your life you have ever felt like No Jumper was just meant to be a hip-hop platform and that somehow us talking about porn stars and interviewing porn stars is out of character for us, you were mistaken. That was never the plan And really, if you look at the early days of No Jumper, where I didn't even interview a rapper, like my first like four, five, six, however many interviews are not with rappers. It's like that just wasn't really the plan to just do rapper interviews ever.
1: I think it makes perfect sense. you got perfect synergy going on. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you interview interesting people on your No Jumper platform. You interview interesting people on Plug Talk. Only
0: PlugTalk.com. Listen, five dollars a month, you could check out all of our episodes. We have something like forty episodes up right now. And five bucks, you can go watch all of them.
1: I've always been fascinated in the porn industry, mm. not necessarily in that way, but I've always found like the business of it, man. I remember watching an interview with the fucking the fake taxi guy. You know, fake taxi, right? No, you never heard of fake taxi. What's that? It's like a famous like porn channel dude, and it's like it's a I think it's a British thing, and the dude drives around in a taxi and fucks the chick in the back of it, but it's See, like a fake taxi.
0: Here in America, we have Bang Bus.
1: It's like the British version of that. It's like a British Uh, black cab, right? But but that's
0: that's like... Well, actually, those are kind of roomy in the back, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got a hell of space. You get a few people in the back. Yeah. Um, But, like, I remember I heard, like, a two-hour interview with a guy that set that up. And it was just so fascinating hearing him talk about it of, like, oh, you know, the porn industry is so saturated. I got this old black cab, this old London cab, started banging chicks in the back of it. And it caught on as this thing of, like, just the format. Like, you're doing these interviews with this guy. It was like he created this format of, like, you know obviously it's fake but he drives around in the cab and it's like, oh it picks up the fare picks up the woman right. and then he talks them into banging into the back of the cab but then you watch the interview and like the guy's talking about oh you know i built this business and like he's talking about the business behind it of like oh you know it's so hard to find people to edit porn that like it's like this weird market people don't really want to people get into like video editing they don't want to be porno editors it's like not a normal thing right and then he talks about um building the business and then do you know about this company MindGeek. That owns everything, they own everything, yes. They own all the porn, but they've somehow managed to stay way under the radar for the most part, yeah. And well, they cons-
0: Pornhub has really been
1: under fire for the last year or so. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting, all that stuff, but yeah. like, um. You know, I just, I, I remember just finding out about this mind geek and just being like, yo, so like one company is the monopoly of all the porno and like, how right. how have they managed that?
0: And that's kind of like what you would want to do in any industry if you possibly could. Like imagine if I just like met some billionaire and I just had funding and we just went out and we just bought Vlad's channel and I channel and like Gilly Wallow just like no everything is going to be under this one fucking umbrella that i own somehow i mean it's it's like ridiculous to even talk about it because Mm -hmm. it sounds so crazy but somehow MindGeek has managed to do that in the porn world and then through economies of scale they're Mm -hmm. probably able to you know decrease their costs a lot and bring a lot of value to the situation Mm -hmm. but i mean what the fuck are you gonna i I guess rap's kind of like that because you have like universal yeah or like i don't know you have only so many labels but imagine how weird rap would be if like every fucking label was technically owned by the same label
1: well you know there's not many of them like realistically yeah most of them are under the umbrella it's like you got umg right you got was it bmg like there's not that many i only know them from fucking getting copyright claims it's usually like <laughs> two or three fuckers doing it
0: i kind of purposely like avoid knowing that much about the ins and outs of the music industry like somehow the fucking actual industry shit i just kind of steer clear of and sometimes when i listen to act talk about how many a and r's he's having conversations with i'm just like i know a lot of a and r's and i never hit them up i'll be reporting on their artist and i won't even bother to make the five or ten minute call to just be like yo like what's going on with this situation and then sometimes i do make that call and i learn so much about the ins and outs of what the fuck is going on and it's like you know it's it's a game right now that really pays for you to go the extra mile because people actually are very uh discerning customers when it comes to information like Mm. you know uh what was it hip-hop daily what's that one bootleg channel and shit they like you know i think people at a certain point i've seen their views kind of fall off because i think people realize like oh they're just like doing bootleg dj vlad interview content where they just sort of reiterate every single thing that was said in an interview
1: yeah. And like they just be I mean, you know, they just be stealing my videos, 1090 Jake's videos like right. me and 1090, which just like we fucking hate hip hop daily because he just waits for us to drop right. and then just steals all the info. There's times when there's like assets that appear in a hip hop daily video where it's like I've taken a picture and annotated it and like drawn some shit on it. And then it ends up in a hip hop daily video. And it's just like, man, come on. Like I did a video on Lil Dirk's dad on like Lil Durk's famous father who had this case. He was in jail for like 30 or something years. managed to get out. He converted to Islam. He's now doing like work in the Chicago community to try and like de-escalate the violence. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like a street story of like Big Dirk and his big drug operation ended up falling apart. Um, And then I kind of was like at the end, it's like, yo, but he's now out of jail. He's doing all this positive stuff. I probably got like 200K on that video. Hip Hop Daily steals it, cuts out all the positive shit, million views. And you see shit like that and you're like, come on, man.
0: It's a dirty game, and he's, he's, he's like fucking doing something that seems like it should be against the terms of service, mm. but how the fuck would YouTube ever be able to really effectively police people basically stealing content? But that's a huge problem in a lot of walks of life now, too, because I, I hear a lot in the, the true crime genre mm. how somebody will do – you know, like years of of intense, in-depth, in-real-life reporting on a a murder or whatever kind of crazy thing, they'll put their content out there, and then a really big true crime podcast will show up, take all of the information that they dug up, maybe give them a shout-out, but realistically, probably not even that, and then, you know, it it really disincentivizes people from doing the hard work when you have a, a, a landscape in which it's so easy to sort of steal that kind of content.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, on the one hand, it's like, man, it's fucked up. They shouldn't be able to steal stuff. But then on the other hand, it's kind of like, this is the internet. It, the facts are, it is easy to steal that content. So you've yeah. got to find a way of becoming different, standing out. You know, for me, it's like, when I was just doing little 10-minute videos on different topics, 10, 15-minute videos, you know, I was one of the first people to start doing that kind of content. It got pretty saturated quickly. And I had to look into myself and say, like, okay, well, how can I stand out? Like, what what sets me apart? You know, I go deeper. It's like, I'm going to make my videos longer, more in depth to the point where it's like people can't really keep up. They don't really have the passion to keep up hip hop daily. I don't know who's behind the channel because they remain anonymous, right. but they aren't interested in these hip hop stories or like putting out the truth or getting to the facts mm. of what's going on. They're just interested in making a bag, stealing someone else's idea, chopping right. up a 10 minute video and making some money off of it. So and, and
0: it can become tricky because it's like, there really is no way for you to combat it except for you to kind of like educate the community but then at the same time you don't really want to talk about it that much because you're just drawing attention to it but then like i kind of feel like people talk so much shit about before they were famous Mm. that before they were famous kind of like fell off Mm. view count wise i actually saw a video in which michael mccrudden basically like blamed a big part of that on me for shitting on him which i'm like i don't think that i have that kind of power but i mean
1: here's the problem with before they were famous right it just became a content farm and yeah. that's why the hip-hop daily's falling off because they, they're not pa- they're not passionate about the topics you watch a michael mccrudden video i mean he's not even hosting a lot of it now yeah but like you know you see him do a video on quando rondo because like his or like his friend just got killed or whatever it is it's like oh chuck out a Kwando video he's like mispronouncing all of his all of his album names getting shit wrong yeah like they you can tell they don't give a fuck about this stuff and that about. that's
0: why i started shitting on him in the first place was because i did that fucking suicide boys interview mm. and their label crew whatever is g59 and he. does this video about them and at the time there was almost nothing that you would have been able to find about them besides my interview so he does the video it's blatantly cribbed from my interview so that was the first time that ever happened to me where i'm kind of annoyed by that and he's calling it g59 so he's like completely mispronouncing their fucking label name and everything which basically means that you didn't even listen to their music enough to hear something that they're saying on like a large percentage of the songs and know how to pronounce it or whatever and it just kind of stood out to people as like oh this is this is like low level trash content you know and it's like nothing personal against them because now when i look at before they're famous i'm like this kind of like real trash content farm type shit was inevitable and i'm not surprised that this is like something that exists but I'm not going to fucking hold my tongue about it. You know, I I don't feel the need to like personally attack the dude or anything like that. But I mean, especially they, they cleaned up their act a lot because you remember, I think like X died and they had like four videos out about it with like gory ass thumbnails, just like, you know, it's just the optics of it at the end of the day just looked really fucking ugly about what they were doing. And the fans at a certain point, I think that they can kind of detect that, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like he's just had an intern scrape your interview for details. He's thrown it in a teleprompter. Probably never even, probably never even heard of them until the day it came to record yeah. the the video. You know, he's getting things wrong, getting the names wrong. It doesn't even matter. Right? There might be a there might be a pinned comment of like, oh, "Sorry, I pronounced the thing wrong" or whatever. But you can't fake the passion. And if there's no passion for the for the subject matter, those videos aren't going to stand the test of time. You know, I feel like I'm really trading on the fact it might take me two months to make a video, whereas you can record you know, five, two-hour interviews in a day. Right. But I'm really trading on the fact that, like, I feel like my passion for these topics and the depth that I go into are going to mean that my stories are really going to, like, stand the test of time where before they were famous or, like, a hip-hop daily won't.
0: Because that's the interesting thing, is that before they were famous is an example of the worst incentives that the internet gives people, where it's like, hey, make a 10 minute video of the most basic surface level information that you crib from other people's videos without giving them content, get it out early in this person's lifespan and you'll show up in the search results and you'll get a bunch of views. Cool. We all get that that's the reality of the internet, but your shit is kind of like, you know, it's heartening to know that if you do real in-depth journalism and you, and you bother to go deep that you can, that that will be rewarded by the algorithm as well. Because, you know, we know that the algorithm prizes length. But then at the Mm. same time, I think the fans, they see a three-hour video about, uh, you know, G. Herbo and his gang or whatever, and they know that you have not let them down in the past. They know that this is actually something worth investing their time into, even though these are also the same people who are not going to watch a three-hour fucking movie in theaters, like, Mm. ever.
1: Well, it's funny you mention that, man, because I feel like there was a period of time when I was just doing the short videos, yeah. And uh, honestly, man, there was a period when I thought I was falling off. Like I thought it was over for me. Oh. I was doing little videos. I wasn't really hitting the numbers I wanted to be. And it's not all about the numbers, but I felt like I was ch- just churning out content like a content farm. Yeah. I was doing – there's definitely a few video topics, few of my old things in my catalog where I'm just like – I can tell that week I was just plucking for – reaching for anything I could make some content. Give out me an of.
0: example. What st- stands out? And And do you feel like you're still kind of doing that on the second channel that you just sort of do like the low-hanging fruit type stuff?
1: I think I was not so long ago, whereas now I feel like I've stopped now with the second channel it's like unless i actually have something i'm genuinely interested i want to react to i just don't Mm. bother uploading there like i just didn't upload on my second channel for a couple months when i was Uh. working on the i think when i was doing the no limit video i just abandoned the second channel for two months because i was like i'm just gonna literally watch no limit clips right two months because i saw the clip of you talking about no limit cairo the other day mm. and i was like oh right
0: here's a second channel why haven't i seen this in a while
1: yeah yeah Mm. because i hadn't really been doing much there now it's like if someone mentions me it's like i can react to it over there and it's nice but like i mean i feel like To be honest, I feel like the moment when I had to switch up my content strategy was when I did the video on uh, the guy from Wu-Tang Clan cutting off his own dick.
0: And did that not perform well? I thought it would get more. And who from Wu-Tang cut off their own dick?
1: Well, Wu-Tang... I think I
0: might have watched it. He's
1: called Christbearer. He's like Wu-Tang affiliate. Right. I thought it was a really interesting video, but at the same time, it was kind of like inane, like just it just didn't feel like it didn't feel like the story was really saying something it was like a bit of a freak show right and it was the the moment i felt like i turned it around is when i did i remember you told me you'd watch the video and i think when people reach out to me and say like they've enjoyed a certain video for me i really take that as like I'm I'm onto something here. Right. When I did that video on the gang war in uh, New York, the, the kind of uh, the GDs, the Blickies kind of story. Right. And that was one of the first things I did. I mean, I'd done like hour-long, hour-plus videos before, but that was just like one of the first ones I did where I spent just so much longer than I usually would. I might have watched that video twice. Because I think I watched it when it first came out, and
0: then I think I interviewed like two G's mm. or like some other uh, person involved in all that shit, and I fucking basically ended up just like watching the whole thing again because I was like, I need to remind myself of all the mm. politics from this whole shit that I kind of forgot about, even though realistically I probably don't need to know about like every single murder.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's funny because it's almost like before that, I was kind of doing videos where I'd be like... Uh, Let me try and like trim the fat and just like stay with the core details whereas I think when I was researching that video It was just I was just finding so many interesting details where I was like no I'm gonna make this video in a certain way where I can include every detail I'm gonna tell the story in a way I'm gonna weave the narrative in a way that I can Hit on every single detail Every single asset in this story to like make this So that you get everything so that you learn everything there is to learn about this music scene like by the end of the video rather than maybe the more michael mccrudden approach of just like ah you know what's like the hero piece of this story and let me just trim the fat and just get to that in 10 minutes right and it's kind of like when you make that
0: content it becomes like what what is the 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 content that you're choosing to cover what does that say about you and it when it's like you're doing a video about a guy from wu-tang cutting his dick off it's like okay well what is the common thread here it's like clearly you're not the biggest wu-tang fan or at least i would assume that this you're probably too young to be listening
1: to that. Nonstop. I was way back, but I'm gonna say I'm not really bumping Wu Tang like that now. Right. But again, and that was also a time when I mean, you'll definitely notice, like back in the day, my early videos, much like academics' early content, I was cracking jokes. Right. Making it was a lot more like satirical, kind of taking the piss, just trying to like light-hearted approach to these stories, just because I had a comedy background and I wanted to be entertaining. Right. But now i cover stories that are much more serious i don't really make jokes if i make a joke it's not at the expense of anyone because i over the past maybe year or so i've begun to like take myself seriously as a journalist and be like no i'm gonna cover important stories seriously right rather than just like try and spin something entertaining out of like i don't know something obvious if you get what i'm saying
0: yeah i learned that the hard way or i mean i I learned a lesson that I'm glad that I learned, regardless of the fact that I don't necessarily agree with the way that I learned it. When I got jumped in the nail salon by Russ's goons, yes, iconic. Not to like retread this old uh, content or anything, but you know, I really had like talked so much shit about Russ on fucking Twitter and everything, and it was just like when I look at that now, I can never imagine myself like feeling the need to bully uh, up and coming artists just because I didn't fuck with their music or whatever like be critical of them sure if you have some specific concern or like thing that you want to say about a person that's all good but you know if you're just like using somebody as a punching bag you know you can't like i just can't get behind that in the long run so even though i don't you know i guess appreciate the fact that i got punched in the head while i was getting a manicure i actually can't remember what the status of the manicure was at that point
1: yeah did you at least get a decent you know if you Few, few digits done.
0: I mean, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, I wonder what stage that would have been at. And that was really the end of me getting manicures, too. Oh,
1: that's a shame, man. Russ ruined your manicure getting career. It's you know crazy. I mean? But, I've, you know, I'm probably owed a few fades by certain rappers. I mean, but again, I feel like I look back on like when I did a video kind of making fun of famous decks falling off or making mm. fun of smoke perp. At the time, I felt like, yeah, you know. That's what the trend was. Let's make fun of Smoke Perp. I mean, they're still doing it now, making fun of like the small shows that he's playing or whatever. But I I just remember at the time I did that video on like the fall of Smoke Perp. And, you know, there's a lot of funny little gags, little quips in there at his expense. But I look back on that and I'm just like, man, that's not really saying something. That's not really like impactful. Whereas the stuff I do now, I feel like it's actually impactful.
0: It's kind of like just low hanging fruit too. Mm -hmm. Because let's be real, if you were to like break down the fucking sales of like every street rapper, of every fucking rapper in the game, I mean, there's a lot of depressing tales to be told you know smoke perp's not the only person who can't sell fucking records you know and it's like there's clearly a market for hearing that Mm -hmm. i think uh sunny v2 is a clear example of like if you have a negative story about somebody's life people will come out in droves Mm -hmm. to fucking hear that tale you see it all the time like he's just not making videos about like here's how this guy ended up having the best life ever it's always like Here's how so-and-so became the most hated person in the world, and I fucking click it, just like other people do too. And it's like, I mean, we just we know that human beings are wired that way. So it's 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 kind of that creates a lot of weird incentives.
1: Yeah, man. And you know, I feel like when I first started out, I didn't I literally had no idea I would end up becoming big. I was really just looking for attention. I was cracking jokes, I was making fun of people. I didn't even think anyone was gonna watch my videos. When I was getting like little light twenty K view on my first few videos that took off. That was that was mind blowing to me. Even now, I can't get my head around the fact. Like, you know, last couple of videos have got nearly hitting two million views each, and right. it's just like that number is completely incomprehensible to me. But it was like back then, you know, I didn't really think about the fact that I'm roasting these these rappers, and it's like it would, it would seem completely out of this world that anyone would, that I'm talking about would see the video. Whereas now, it's almost completely confirmed that whoever I'm talking about is going to be seeing it.
0: Right, because when you're at that early stage in your career, there's so much incentive for you to like make messy ass content i see yeah. that with Flacco, uh who when pnb rock dies he had like 10 videos up a large percentage of which basically have pnb rocks dead body or dying body in the thumbnail and it's like if you were to get flaco to be real about that he would probably be able to admit that that's fucked up that yeah. that's like a level that just journalists don't need to do that's like you don't need to like or for, for me it, at least like and maybe it's because i just have a big platform maybe i would feel differently about a small platform mm. but i just don't feel comfortable with posting somebody's fucking dead body because i know how i felt when i opened twitter and i saw x with his shit all yeah. split open bleeding out you know it's like i just don't think that as much as the media i guess has every right to show that kind of stuff i think that that's over the line and especially in a youtube thumbnail where it's like People are going to see that by accident. His family's going to see that by accident without necessarily buying in on even clicking on your video, you know? But Flacco's somebody who knows that he's going to have a good month on YouTube if he documents the shit out of this and if he's as egregious as he could possibly be with the way that he covers it. And it's like, you know, if you take money out of the equation, he's not doing that.
1: Well, I think as Flocko grows and gets a bigger audience you know he'll he'll realize he's got bigger responsibilities it ebbs and flows his
0: sense of understanding of his his responsibility ebbs and flows like at times it feels like he's really getting closer to being able to make like more reasonable decisions about what he covers and everything and then at times it's just like oh you don't give a fuck
1: I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I did an interview with him the other day, and like, he was right. definitely talking a lot of spiciness Yeah, maybe he wasn't ready for. But um, going back to the last thing you said, I, I think it's interesting. How fucking crazy is it that we're living in this age now where we're constantly seeing rappers killed on camera? I mean, I'm thinking, I can name you so many people that died on camera.
0: And not even that. Imagine the rap landscape right now where if you take like maybe there's like twenty rappers over the past, I don't know, five, six years, who if you were to take them and and bring them back to life, the whole rap game would be completely different. Mm. But they got killed and that and not even just got killed too, but like people who went to prison for life or you know, people who have been caught up on crazy ass cases mm. like YNW Melly and shit. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just Like rap would look so fucking different if a lot of those people were still here. If King Von was still making music, if X was still making music, if Juice World, Lil Peep, etc., like rap would—you take all those people collectively—rap would be like dramatically more interesting to be paying attention to now. Now, maybe I am viewing that through rose-tinted glasses in a certain extent because maybe a lot of those people might. At a certain point, have not been as popular as they were, or whatever. You know, there's certainly a lot of people from that era mm. that are still around, and instead of like you know still celebrating their music, they're basically like fucking laughing stocks. But you know, it's 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 sad. And th- I mean, you were talking about on camera, but I just want. But no, that's
1: that. super interesting. I mean, don't you think it's crazy that like so many rappers have passed away and been killed, like, yet six nine still out here mm. alive? That's like the first person you'd think they would get. You know what I mean? It's just crazy how
0: the good die young.
1: I guess, man.
0: So he's gonna die like (laughs) eighty. I mean, yeah, but you know, Six Nine doesn't have the like self-destructive gene in him so much. He's like a ruthless capitalist. Like he, but I think you know his shit is all fucked up because he knows he can make a lot of money and that doesn't really necessarily matter to him that much. He wants like the respect of the community. It's like the one thing that he's not gonna be able to get, and he's just consumed with trying to get it. But in terms of him dying, I mean, he doesn't drink. Mm. I would say that for the most part, he doesn't seem like he moves around that recklessly. They have videos of him pulling up to the gas station and he's clearly got a gun on him and everything like that. But, I mean, a lot of rappers are going in the gas station and not clutching on their fucking gun the entire time. And they're in way less danger than him, you know? So, I mean, he stayed out of New York for the most part. I I, I still think, I mean, there's a very good chance that he's not going to die of old age. But... You know, I guess maybe his his ops just aren't
1: motivated enough. Maybe they need a kick in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you need to make another video Trap Traplore Ross. Most of his ops are still locked up in New York somewhere, so you know what I'm saying? Give him yeah. give him seven years or so. But um, I I've always had respect for six because, like he the he he for this whole career from the very start when he was wearing those shirts with the N word on it and like <laughs> pussy eater yeah. and stuff. He had always just been a clout goblin he was willing to do whatever it took and again i want to kind of circle back obviously we had the whole situation with kind of channel five going at you and stuff and right you know blaming you blaming academics for the violence and stuff which
0: for the record me and andrew callahan did have a very good conversation on the phone after that where he essentially apologized for sort of misrepresenting me in this one instagram post that he made and everything and we ended the conversation off very cordially which i didn't really Bother to like communicate to the public but for anybody who thinks that we're still like at each other's necks it's not really the case that's good man I'm glad not that, that that was ever really the case but
1: i kind of was putting together a really long scathing video like clapping back at a lot of the points he made because i was i was just was quite upset about some of the stuff he put across but in the end i decided not to go through with it hmm. would watch I, I, Huh? Watch. i mean <laughs> thing is uh, there was just so many points like when you actually break down all the stuff he said both in your interview and in the documentary it was just right. there was so much contradictory stuff and also, it just felt to me that he completely didn't really understand the progression of this street music situation and how it's become so popular. Well,
0: uh, yeah, like I saw a clip of Hassan reacting to the Block mm. video that he did where he interviewed me or whatever. And like Hassan, when I say that I think drill music is, is net bad for society, he's like laughing at that opinion. And I'm kind of thinking in my head, I'm like, well, you know, if I were to list off the top five rap journalists in the game right now not journalists because obviously me vlad and the act don't want to be called that but i think you pretty much everybody be on board with that so it's interesting how you as a much more passive consumer of the culture are so certain the drill music doesn't have anything to do with violence
1: but it's not that i feel like it doesn't no not you i'm talking it. about Hassan Oh, oh right, right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah man i you know i've just felt like it was like so many of those points like that's just like the most it's almost like he he I know he likes hip hop but it's just like right. you you missed so many important details about this space. Yeah. It's such low hanging fruit. It's like such like day one shit to try and blame academics and the Warren Shire for stuff. I, I
0: seen Nicki Minaj say the same thing where Nicki Minaj was like I can't believe Eric Adams is acting like drill music is responsible for violence or whatever. I'm like I'm guessing that you're not as tapped in with what's exactly going on in terms of drill music as a lot of people that I'm having mm-hmm. conversations with who I think uh, could probably agree that it definitely increases violence.
1: Well, I just want to say, setting aside the violence and just talking about the popularity of drill gang violence based content, nobody wants to point the finger at the guy that I think turned gang culture into entertainment more than everybody, 6 9 because... Being a Blood for entertainment wasn't really a thing before him. I feel like in 2018 when he got on and he was doing that song, he was surrounded by the Bloods, Blicky with the Stiffy or whatever. It was like before that, I feel like rappers gang affiliations was a bit more of a secret thing. Mm. He used it as a come up and I felt like after that, after 6 9 kind of made it, a thing of like let's all monetize and make money off of and use the gang affiliations as a vehicle for fame and success it then became a thing of like everybody trying to put on their gang shit.
0: because Six 69 is straight up like a rap fan who has a hard on for street shit you know mm. like he himself didn't grow up as a gangbanger or whatever but he was clearly looking at it he knows about the fucking politics all the chicago shit before There was even people like you breaking it down. He was somebody that was studying that shit. So then when you have like a little Dirk dissing him on a Drake song, that's Mm. the worst thing in the fucking world to him because these are the people that he grew up admiring and shit. Mm. So he kind of couldn't help but sort of like leak his appreciation for a lot of that shit. Into his content and stuff, if you like watch his stories and stuff, he'll always like post a random clip singing along to some drill song that I haven't heard or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, he used to always say like Rondo number nine was his favorite rapper and shit. You know right. what I mean? But like, yeah, you know, the 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 Channel Five thing, you know, it's just like I feel like he he missed so many details about this scene that would just be obvious to anyone. I mean, there was the one bit that really grinded my gears in that video where he basically says, DJ Academics, the war in Chirac profited a bunch off of these these gang situations and made light of it and then this created an algorithm that created a bunch of other copycat channels <laughs> one of which is no jumper and it was like bro you know, literally don't know anything like right bro what are you talking about you you came up off the soundcloud era right you're not like to say like the the gang <laughs> algorithm created birthed all these channels off of dj academics it's then, weird like, too
0: when people act like the warren chirac was that big because his main channel was always bigger and getting more views it's like it was very much like a fringe channel in comparison mm-hmm. and I, I found it interesting and stuff but it wasn't huge
1: you know even now eight years on and academics is one of the biggest names in this space you go to the war and tri channel some of those videos ain't even got that many views right like, so it's, again it's like it seems disingenuous to like, make this argument of like oh academics masterminded this whole thing of like putting across this gang content where it's like it wasn't even that it still isn't even that popular like right. this stuff and
0: but that's what happens when you get real popular cuz that that narrative didn't really exist until he got on everyday struggle mm. and then it was kind of like oh okay we need a solid thing that we can just always lean on to basically dehumanize him and say that he's a terrible person mm they they chose that and that's just like a a thing that a lot of people tend to do in our culture is they basically identify the worst thing that Mm -hmm. they've decided that you ever did and then that's their response to everything that you ever say as well as their reason why they never have to engage in dialogue with you you know so Mm -hmm. it's like that's just basically like same thing with fucking vlad people always point out the rick ross thing or they always point out like i don't know you interviewed the fucking dude who shot a bankroll fresh or whatever mm. you know with vlad i mean he's just been making content for so long there's so many fucking things that they could just grab for you insulted the minister farrakhan whatever and then that's their response to every single opinion that vlad's ever gonna have for the rest of his life it's fucking stupid
1: it is stupid and again uh, you know uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy involved in it too i mean andrew was going at you of like oh don't you think it's bad that you're talking to fbg cash and asking people about their street affiliations which why wow, i don't even feel like you even do to the extent they're making out but bro if you Go back and check out Andrew's interview with Draco the Ruler. Talking about, yo, You do you really rob Asians? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, well, well, tell me what flu flaming really is. Like, right. well, you know, oh, is that what you say to the Asian people? Like, this, he's doing the stuff he's accusing you of. And it's like, it, yo, like... Is that is that really the criticism that you're going to level at someone else when you were trying to get into that whole thing yourself? It's just funny.
0: For me, I notice the stuff I don't ask way more than the Mm. stuff I actually do ask because I never fucking name their ops. Basically, you know, I'm never like if it's a rapper, okay, cool, but I'm not gonna fucking interview a BD and say so. How do you feel about the Gangster Disciples? They're your mortal enemies. They're responsible for dozens of your friends dying, you know. And that's stuff that, like, I hear other interviews damn near doing when I'm listening to certain people interview Crip Mac. Mm. It's like, so the Hoovers are bad. You hate the Hoovers. Tell me all about it. I never, in all my fucking times interviewing Crip Mac, I don't think I ever said the word Hoover one time. Probably not true, but like, I, I I told him from the beginning. I don't want you to use this as a platform to attack your enemies.
1: Well, I, I think you, you did a really good job on your work with CritMac because I think you did so much to really like humanize him and sit him down at a table and have conversations about him as a person, as a Fuck human Scott. being. Fuck <laughs> Scott! What was that bit?
0: That's like when he had, I asked him if he had a gay neighbor, how he would treat him. <laughs> like, you, you got Scott living next door. How would you feel? Fuck Scott! Okay. What well, was the other going.
1: thing he said? Oh, man. I, I, don't even want, I don't want to put him on blast <laughs> like that. But like I feel like you did so much to just like make him seem like a normal dude. I mean, when Andrew interviewed him, you know, there's there's bits in that video where you can tell he's holding back laughs. You know, he's kind of making fun of him. He's doing him like he did the Proud Boys, right? You know what I mean? In his other content, so it's kind and, of and like he's
0: conscious of that dynamic too. He he said that when we did our interview is that he knows that if his interviews are sort of like you know dunking on the person that he's interviewing, that he's going to be very limited in the number of interviews he's going to be able to get. So they're conscious of the way that they edit it and everything like that. So then I was a little surprised when. I was kind of like edited to be like the fucking villain of of rap music or whatever, but you know at the same time. But I again, get it You're and telling again, a story, you know.
1: I pulled over those those videos in great detail when I was thinking about making my piece, and it's like again, if you watch his interview and what he included of in your conversation, and then you listen to the uncut conversation you had on No Jumper, mm. it tells a different story and yeah. it comes across differently. But um, you know, I think. Uh, you know i I didn't, I didn't want to go too hard at him because i really respect him i think he's like an awesome journalist he's someone i would have always looked up to and it just felt like when that oblock thing came out and it was like all the stuff he did on oblock with boss top and all those guys taking them to the baseball game it was awesome and it was almost just like bro why did you need to spend an extra 10 minutes in this video going at all the journalists who are in this space who work hard and like actually try and get to the root of what's going on mm. in this scene just kind of shitting on everybody it just seemed like less well researched <laughs> than his usual stuff yeah i thought that was yeah i feel you on that and then you know it's like you're so wrong for interviewing fbg cash next week he's chilling with uh alex jones he was dying to do that <laughs> fucking interview
0: like fbg cash was like the happiest fucking dude to do that interview that i ever met you know like he was and i felt like we had a very good experience i think sometimes we titled the clips like me asking things that they, that they then don't really like elaborate on mm-hmm. you know like we kind of like we'll ask a question they dip and dodge around actually answering the question. But then when we put it on the Clips channel, the title suggests that mm-hmm. they actually answer the question. So that's why when Ish and fucking uh, Ice on uh, Joe Budden's podcast, we're like, no, I've never actually watched any of these. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay, well, you're kind of falling for the clickbait right there.
1: But that's facts, bro. You know, people come at me for stuff. Oh, you know, you don't take these things seriously. And I was like, I don't think you've watched the video all the way through because uh, mm-hmm. you can tell that I have. But I've been dying to ask you this question. Ooh. When you interviewed King Von,
0: and we have like a couple of minutes.
1: left. That's cool. Yeah, just a quick one. When you interviewed King Von, how much like what to what extent did
0: you know no, about the story? I did not. I hey. like felt like I had gotten ready for it, but I don't. Maybe the stuff was out there, but I just didn't know about it. But I definitely did not know anything about how fucking mm. deep in the streets he was and stuff. And I knew about stuff like him, you know, allegedly like shooting this guy or whatever, and how he kept quiet and was locked up for all these years. Basically, mm. I knew about stuff like that but I definitely didn't know about all the other accusations of killings that are mm. pretty common knowledge now.
1: It's interesting, man. You know him and his team tried to press me for making videos about him. Really? Yeah. Wow. They were trying to get the channel taken down. Damn. Yeah. He tweet- So Von put out a tweet around that time, because Trap Geek had covered him first. So right. shout out to Trap Geek. I kind of like learned about a lot of the details through watching Trap Geek and then put my own spin on it. But like, yeah, man, it was an interesting situation because Von did a tweet that was like, don't listen to these white folks on YouTube talking about me. I'm a really a nice guy. And then and I read
0: that and I knew it was about you at the
1: time too. <laughs> well, bro, this is the thing, right? so I started getting, getting these messages on Instagram from this random dude talking about, bro, we didn't like how you did Von in that video, but like, it was just some random page. So I didn't really pay any mind. Right. Kept it moving. And then suddenly I woke up one day, all my Vaughn videos were gone. Three videos gone with fake copyright strikes saying I'd used his song, crazy story. Wow. Which I had not. And did you song. get them back up? So here's what happened, bro. I know we don't have too much time, but this is a star piece of content. Got to like, hear this. Yeah. H- here's what happened. So at this point, once the videos were all gone, and bear in mind that's three videos. With I think it was I had seven days to remove them, or I was going to get strikes. Right. Channel would have been gone with three strikes. Right. So that would have been my channel packed. Wow. So uh, I went back to Instagram, replied to the dude who had been messaging me, basically threatening me, and been like, "Yo, so is this you, like, trying to take the channel down?" Got on the phone with dude. Man, never told anyone this. Got on the phone with dude and he basically said, yeah, man, like, we're not feeling what you put out in that video. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, can we just like find a way to not have these strikes? Like, I'll take the video down, but like, don't take my channel, Don't pack my channel. Like, come on. Right. And they basically said to me, they said, well, what we can do if you go into the back end, edit out any mention of KI with Von. Wow. And we'll give the videos back. And I did that and I got the videos back. And after that, bro, I was scared. I was like, because I knew the details about Von, right? And I was like, fuck, man, Von wants the smoke with me. I never spoke to Von directly, but like he had his team do this thing. They were going to pack my channel. My channel was about to be the latest body. But that's crazy because you talked about
0: a lot of alleged murders that he committed right like that like you covered that one clip where somebody in his instagram live like says shout out to these names Mm. and it's like seven different people or some shit and then he is dying laughing Mm. at those names and those are people that he's basically been rumored to have killed
1: yeah exactly bro and it was just like for me that was like a scary time because
0: but they weren't worried about that clip in its entirety they were just worried about the fucking one girl's name
1: well yeah because obviously only after this is the most recent one like maybe it was like six months ago or something when it was like Chicago PD released the paper saying right. Von was the yeah. main suspect in the KI murder but like in my video you'll see it's like Vaughn was on this documentary discovery channel about her death right like some other channel but like <laughs> yeah talking about like yeah I was trying to fuck with her I was trying to have sex with her right and like you know what I'm saying I didn't have anything to do with it come to find out like someone hacked her Instagram and put it on 4chan that like people thought he was the guy that killed her it comes out as chicago pd released this info but it was like bro they were on my case for solving the crime and like they were about to pack my channel bro it was crazy it was i mean scared.
0: yeah because think about it the fact that they bothered to hit you up about that one specific mention and then the fact that the cops also put out the statement about that one specific body that really leads you in the direction of like oh okay like either like vaughn and his team knew that that was the one that the cops might have some kind of a uh, you know interest in or some Evidence already.
1: Well, it was maybe they
0: weren't worried about the the other ones.
1: Yeah, that's true, man. But it was like obviously it's just like it wasn't him; it was his team, and it's just like yo, you got these supposedly serious music industry people out here trying to cover up murders for you and press YouTubers. Like I couldn't believe it. God damn! But in the end, you know, obviously I got the videos back. Von ended up passing away, and it was tough for me because it's like I was such a big fan of Von's music, right? But I feel like I was kind of in this situation. I felt really hard done by. I felt like I couldn't listen to his music anymore. Mm. And then when he passed away, it was such a weird feeling, man. I'm just mm. like, damn, like, bro, this this guy. Like, I was I was thinking, like, bro, if one day if I run into Vaughn, I don't know what's going to happen. Damn. But anyway, crazy.
0: You better keep a good shooter with you, trap, Lord.
1: Bro, I need to. Or something.
0: a good knife wielder in your country.
1: And That's it, man. Keep the keep the poker on deck.
0: Keep a little Tim with you.
1: Keep a little Tim Westwood. Pause. Tim Westwood got canceled, so I can't keep that. In
0: your country, that's just a guy with a fucking Ginsu set strapped around his waist.
1: What's a Ginsu set? It's
0: like a knife brand that they used to advertise on TV a lot back in the day. I need to pack one of those. Definitely keep a Ginsu on you.
1: Keep the Ginsu on deck all day.
0: I wonder if a drill rapper in the UK ever said something about keeping the Ginsu.
1: They're about to after they see this one. For sure. There's a million names for nice Shout out to UK. whoever
0: drops that bar. Lore Ross, we're about to do the No Jumper show uh, live for everybody watching this. I'm going to go take a piss. We're going to be on live in like five minutes. If you're watching this after the fact, where it will stay uploaded, hopefully monetized, fingers crossed. Like, comment, and subscribe. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Thank you to our boy Lore Ross. Subscribe to his channel. Subscribe to his other channel. TikTok, Patreon, Instagram, all that shit. Nojumper.com if you want to support. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man.